uh, USDA has a turnover triangle, like the instrument. So when they got a turnover, the cornerback sprints over to the sideline, and it's a big oversized triangle, like uh, suspended, like on a you know pipe, like a three by four. They have it hanging so that you just run over like a dinner bell and ding 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 hit the turnover like triangle. Dinner bell. Yeah, like like just like turnover triangle, baby. Ding ding. I'm like that's the least intimidating sound of any instrument. That like you know you, you bang a big drum, people are doing dunks on the sideline, all types of stuff. They run over and hit a triangle that may or may not even produce <laughs> any sound, but that that is my uh, turnover object for the Somebody week. Somebody said bring bring three stacks in his flute. <laughs> yeah, the turnover flute. The turnover <laughs> flute. <laughs> um, so we got turnover triangle. That's the newest invention of our turnover game. Georgia Tech. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech, make the call. <laughs> Georgia Tech, turnover flute, baby, turnover flute. gentlemen i can't believe that we've arrived last weekend of the regular season in the books week 13 college football at sp and ross's untitled college football podcast um season flew by feel like it always does i feel like we always get to this point and it's like oh my it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that we were week two week three week four like that doesn't seem that long ago but clearly it was and rivalry week is arguably the best week of college football best singular week of college football just because and we saw it this weekend it's i feel like it's a old cliche but some old cliches are really true and the whole throw the records out when the rivals play is one of those oldest, biggest cliches. But we saw kind of where that comes from this weekend with a whole bunch of teams that and a whole bunch of games that on paper are going into it. You thought might not be close, but then rivalry, the high emotions, certain home field advantages, whatever. And you get a bunch of games that were really close, really entertaining, spanning from pretty much starting Thursday. We started Egg Bowl Thursday, and then all the way through Saturday uh, night. So it was a really good three days of college football. We're going to talk a lot of it. Um, But I wanted to start with just a quick, quick, I don't know if we got to go recovery. The uh, the KJ Jefferson injury that happened, not as bad as Jordan Travis one, obviously, but that is a and he was jogging on the sideline and stuff. He never went back in, but KJ Jefferson, quarterback, Arkansas, uh, senior. He might even be a super senior, I think, but he has a you know professional future ahead of him. And I just hated to see how you know, see he went down early in their game um, against who were they playing? Arkansas. Uh, Texas A&M, right? 
No, that was LSU. No. Completely blanking on who Arkansas was playing in that game. Um, but he got hurt very early, first quarter. And I just felt immediately for him, thought about his future, thought about, you know, definitely once it looked like he was going to try to go back out there and play, like definitely didn't want him to um, do any further there. Like you did, I just feel like you get nothing from playing hurt in football, unfortunately, like you might gain respect, but if you're talking about your future, it's never going to help your future. So I just felt for him. I, I, he's the type of player who is going to yeah. have to have like a good senior bowl circuit, a good workout pro day combine. Like he's that type of quarterback who could improve his draft stock doing those types of things. So he's not even like a kind of player who, you know, if you were to just to sit out the rest of the year, his draft status is kind of secure. He was definitely has a pro future, but I, I just wanted to quick, you know, best, best thoughts. Um, I don't know if it's a full on injury recovery, but like just, just wishing him the best going forward because the yeah. rough, rough season for Arkansas, he's <clears throat> one of their few bright spots. And we talked about it probably a couple of weeks ago of, He's definitely an NFL quarterback. I don't know if he's a starter. I don't know if he's a you know, franchise guy, but certainly wouldn't strike you as that right away. But he's definitely going to make a team. He's definitely could be, you know, one of those career backups or somebody who gets a shot and and ends up getting a starting job. So just wishing him the best um, senior year. And it was senior day. That's the other thing, right? It was senior day. Your parents are there, that, that whole thing. And to get her early in that game was just tough. So wishing him the best. Yeah. Yeah, don't want to start negative, but definitely want to. You know, just wanted to. That's that's the most I feel. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the most I feel for the college players is that um, just the feeling of when your career is over, even when when it's not an injury, just that last day, senior day, you see the emotions in some of these players because it's like, you know, only one percent of the college players they're ever going to play again. Everyone else is it. So last time we were putting on pads. So that 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 one just got to me. So definitely wanted to just hoping he has a, a great recovery, is able to still, you know, perform and um, you know, earn his way into the NFL. Because I think he's definitely worthy. But that's not where we're that's that's where we're gonna start. But let's get into coaching hirings, openings. Want to talk some of that stuff? Um, last night, texted you. Well, two, let's say this This is Monday. On Saturday at the end of college football, two something in the morning, um, maybe it was Sunday. I feel like it was Saturday, though. I'm, I'm looking at my phone and it says Texas A&M uh, to hire um, at that time to Mark Stoops from Kentucky, which I I thought that was an ironic first hire or I thought that was the perfect first hire for the conversations that we've had which is that Kentucky is one of the best jobs in the nation. And Mark Stoops is the embodiment of that. Like, you know, winning seasons, eight, win eight, win seven, win eight, go to a bowl game. He's been there 10 years doing that. Like they've never had the level of success at Kentucky that they're having right now. And all they're doing is winning eight games. I'm not poo-pooing that, but it's like that is what gets Mark Stoops praised top five pay grade is because he'll win eight games at Kentucky every year. So at first I was like, oh. he clearly knows it. Yeah. He and clearly at first, knows it's a great at, job. Yes. And at first I was nervous because I was like, no, Mark Stoops, you are the exact, this is the exact example of what I talked about with not all money is good money. Like Texas A&M is not, that's not good money. They will fire you in a heartbeat. And I think 
it would appear Mark Stoops, like, because it, it was never official. I guess it was a rumor, not an official report. Clearly, Mark Stoops woke up on Sunday. It was like, what What am I doing? What, what am I doing? Like, we just beat Louisville. I could get a raise. Could come back next year, do it again. Like, why would I leave this? So, I salute to you, Mark Stoops, for having the uh, foresight that not all the coaches might have. Yeah, man, play chess. Like, look, I can I beat I beat Louisville five years in a row. All I gotta do is every year beat either Georgia or Florida or Tennessee, and I'm straight. I can do this yep. forever. Yep, yep. This year they got the uh, they got the Florida win, right? Or was it ten- Tennessee? Who they beat this? They beat year? Florida. They beat Florida. They got their Florida win. They beat their in-state they rival. Florida. Yeah, they they got Florida. Beat their in-state rival. Going bowling. Mark Stoops, you could you're 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 good for another five years here, minimum. Like you 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 can keep doing that. So I I was while I thought you know Mark Stoops could have some success at Texas A and M, it's just that conversation we had, which is when measured against expectations, which one's better, right? Mark Stoops at Kentucky, the expectations are what we just said: beat one of those three in the SEC West once every two years, beat you know beat Louisville, you're good. At Texas A&M, they want to win the national championship. They want to win the SEC. They want to win the national championship. If you don't do that, they will consider it an unsuccessful run. And it's just like, why would you, you since, know, subject yourself to since that? Since you won't be doing that, <laughs> yeah. how long are you going to stay there? Exactly. So it's like, why would you subject yourself to that? Now, Mark Stoops said, I won't. No, thanks. I'm good. Mike Elko, on the other hand, said, yeah, I'll do it. And... Here's why I think it's a slightly different situation and why it made more sense for Mike Elko than Mark Stoops. One, Mark Elko used to coach there. He's the D, D yep. coordinator DC. at Texas A&M. So he has history there, connection with the program, knows the area. Like, that's important. Two, Mike Elko, we talked about this with Duke. To, to do what he is doing at Duke is incredible to raise the ceiling at that program in the ACC to where you are for at least this season, you beat Clemson, you're competing with Florida state. You're, you know, you're better than the Virginia techs and the, you're on par with an NC state and UNC. Like that is probably as successful as it's going to get for Duke, right? There's probably no, more like they're not going to beat Clemson every year and beat Florida State and win that you know what I mean like it's just that this season is about as successful as it's going to get and they dealt with injuries maybe they could have won a a game here game there but um there's almost beat Notre Dame like they they had a really good year almost beat Notre Dame and I just feel like you look at that and it's like how repeatable at Duke is that like could Mike Elko stay there for five years and how repeatable is this type of season over the next four years? Just realistically speaking, it probably be more turbulence over the next five years as opposed to just, yeah, we're winning eight games every year, sniffing top 25 rankings. It's just the, the odds are less likely to happen. And I feel like Mike Elko knows he can, again, probably not go in the SEC and win a national championship, but I think he could get Texas A&M to at least back to – We'll win nine or ten. Yeah, you know, we'll win eight, nine, maybe ten games. Um, you know, we won't be a laughing stock, which at times under Jimbo they were. And I think 
you know, I think he could have success there. Not the success that they believe that they should be having, but, you know, nine win, maybe a 10 win season. I, I think he will probably be more, I'll say this, the floor with Mike Elko is probably lower than it was with Jimbo. I, I, it's harder to project the ceiling, but I just don't think you would see a season like this at, at Texas A&M with all that talent under Mike Elko. I just think that he would have them playing at least, you know, 500, seven, eight win ball at, at the low end, not, you know, only winning five games or whatever they want. Yeah, it's going to be tough for him regardless because Texas A&M has shown to be impatient mm-hmm. and impulsive. And so seven wins sounds nice. Eight wins sounds nice. Also, it's not like enough. Right. So, again, if their their bar is competing for national championships, which really I don't know if Texas A&M ever was. They won one in the 30s. Ago. They won one before World yeah. War Two. so – there's that. So they, they expect them to be at a level that they've never been at or haven't been in in 70 years. Mm-hmm. It's hard to see any coach being successful in that kind of environment. So yeah. I guess I guess we'll see, but I'm very skeptical. I think he has a tough road to add in. Yeah, it's it's again, I think it just makes a little more sense for him than Stoops for kind of those reasons. The the biggest thing though, and we talked about the disorganization at Texas AM. I was reading up on it. Texas A&M this year is the only SEC school without a director of player personnel. So let's just yep. start there. Yep. From a from a directional standpoint, we talked, I think, I don't remember what week it was, but I talked about, do you, do you know, did you realize when I was asking, like, do you realize the extent of which these college programs are run like professional outfits now with director of player personnel and general managers and giant scouting departments and analytic departments? Like, this is, it is... That's what we're doing at the at the top of this thing. Like that's what the Georgias, the Bamas, and LSU at their height of Texas, or like the Oregon, Washington. That's what these schools are doing right now. If you want to compete at that level of playing for a national championship, you have that's that's a non-starter. You have to have that. So we talk about their expectations, but it's also like this is this is why it's unreasonable. It's not just because you've never done it. It's because other schools are making these moves to try to get up in the Ohio State, Bama, Georgia. They're trying to get to that territory. Texas A&M didn't have player personnel with signing week, what, four days away now at this point? The first signing period is like a week away. They don't have that. Uh, Jimbo, for at least this season, maybe last season, it might have been the whole time he was there, which is insane. I've never heard of this. I played D3. We had this. They didn't have a dedicated special teams coach. They did not have a on-field assistant whose job was to run special teams. It, they just would put that on somebody else's, you know, OC, DC. They just put it on somebody else's plate. And not having a director play personnel, okay, that in this new era, that's a bad look. Not having a special teams coach is like – high schools have that. I, play, I, I have that in high practice. school. Yeah. yeah, like I, I had a, we had a dedicated kicking coach and a special teams coach in high school. So like, how you're at Texas A and M, and you don't have a special teams coach, you don't have a director of player personnel, you don't have the scouting department that these other teams have. The collectives are not on the same page. It's a, it's a mess. Like it's, it's, it's from that standpoint, it's a mess. From the X's and O's, maybe Mike Elko gets some a respectable record in the next four years, but 
they got to address those institutional front office, so to speak, top bottom type stuff, because it's just, it's a new day. You can't be operating in the SEC with all these other schools that have all these things and you just don't have it. Like, I don't, I, I don't get that. Like they want to spend money so bad, spend it on a director, player personnel, spend it on a special teams coach, like spend it the right way. So everything I've seen as far as the the postmortem from Jimbo's tenure, the the headline word that stands out to me is hubris. Mm-hmm. The thing I saw time and again was that Jimbo started believing his own hype, started reading his own press clippings, and was so committed to his way of doing things from ten years ago. Right, he was unable to adapt, unable to let go, and was just. Could not change. Could not do anything different than what he knew how to do. Right. And what that resulted in was what we saw, which is not recruiting in the level that he needed to. Like, he was apparently obsessed with recruiting five stars, but not concerned at all about fit. Or character. Or whether someone actually, yeah, or character, for that matter, or culture. Mm-hmm. Um, Not staffing appropriately. Mm-hmm. Not giving up play calling duties even when apparently he hired Bobby Petrino. Well, that's, I was going to say. Bobby had to call the plays within <laughs> Jimbo's offense already. That was, so he yeah. couldn't even do his job. That was the next step I was going to say is that they paid Bobby Petrino all that money to come in because that was a recent thing. That was a, like, all right, if we're stuck with Jimbo and we don't want to pay this buyout, let's get somebody, a, a, a better OC, a more modern play caller. Let's get him in here. So they go get Petrino, which we said this last, I think in the off season, we said like, say what you want about him as a person. That man knows how to call offense. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mm-hmm. won't say anything else about him other than he'll call an offense. And to get him, and then just be like, uh, "All right, so here's here's how you're gonna call the game, Bobby. Like here, here you go. Here's my playbook. Here's what you're gonna call. Here's the play sheet. And like pick the order. Pick what you want to do. But like these are what this is what we're running. So essentially, you neutered his ability to even impact the offense of the team." Um, so yeah, there was a whole bunch of, I think you, you, you said, yeah, you said hubris reading his own press clippings. Um, there's a case that could be made. And, and the, the other big thing was like, he had, he had 12 different quarterback recruits. I think only one of them stayed all four years and none of them were really any good. And nope. that was kind of his whole, the game is the only one. That's my thing about Jimbo, like this idea that, yo, he knows quarterbacks. I'm like, no, he doesn't. He Jimbo, like he doesn't know quarterbacks. Jameis Winston was really good. He did. He doesn't know quarterbacks. There's, there was, and, and during those, at least during the national championship year, there was, even when Jameis was balling and that team was balling, that was an old school ass offense. Like it was just a really simple old school offense, but they had a really good quarterback Calvin Benjamin, who just you just throw it up somewhere in this general up here region. Nobody could guard it. Dalvin Cook's faster than everybody on the field. They just had a bunch of talent. It was just like, we, we, or is Devontae and they Freeman. were down twenty-one three. Yeah, in the uh, in a in a natty in game. national championship game. Yeah, I read some. There was a tweet that said like Jimbo is an Auburn choke away from yeah. being Mark Richt. From yeah, from just not ever being in this situation or looked at in this way. So. Like we said, like you know, Jimbo, I'm not saying he's a bad, like flat out bad coach, but it, it definitely looked like he re- like regressed or never improved or looked to 
learn more, add new elements or wrinkles, or the game is changing and innovating. So it seemed like, like you or said, like that, but not not playing with the transfer portal. Right, he doesn't, the other doesn't big, really the other like things. Yeah, it doesn't really like transfer portal. Thankfully, they have a you know the NIL collective there, but yeah, he's not big in the portal. Um, so yeah, it it just it it read like a the game has passed <laughs> this person by type of piece. And from that standpoint, if you're hiring Mike Elko, I think you're hiring somebody who's more in touch. And I like that you're going with a defensive-minded head coach because they've never had a good defense. Like, even when I'm thinking of the best A&M teams, I'm not really I'm, – I'm, I'm not thinking about them defensively coming out and, and holding teams to not a lot of points, regardless of what their offense is doing. So – that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I mean, well, my, Miles Garrett's sophomore year, their defense was pretty good that year. That's the only team I could think of. Yeah. Miles and um, I guess DeMontre Moore was there too. I don't, that was like really right, maybe at the same time as Manziel and Evans, maybe right after. Um, but yeah. I, and, and again, I'm trying to think like, was their defense good or did they just have like multiple NFL players? Uh, yeah. Ruined everything for the other team. But yeah, it, it it bears monitoring. I want to see how that goes, and and I think it was like I said, it was a weird job to to fill. Um, <clears throat> I think Mike Elko, because of that experience of being there, was probably a, the best fit that I could kind of throw out there. So we'll see how that one works. Um, the the thing that's clear to me from this Jimbo thing, I've, I've been thinking and meditating on for a while. You know, I'm obsessed about leadership in general. The head coaching job is really, really difficult. You have to appease and schmooze with boosters. You have to be able to manage staff. The recruiting stuff is crazy by itself. You have to recruit your current players because they may transfer. You have to recruit high school kids and recruit transfers from other schools. So there's all that piece, being the culture leader, managing staff, managing players, discipline, all of that stuff. It seems like the best coaches now – are the best CEOs and -hmm. not necessarily the best whiz kids from one side of the ball. I think gone are the days or leaving are the days you can just be a great play caller and be a head coach. I think we're seeing that time and again now where that's kind of not working. So some of what I see is Mike Elko's success, Marcus Freeman's success, other coaches' successes. How well can you take a step back and manage the program as a whole? Yeah. That's a that yeah I think that really is and that's why again you need that director of player personnel you need all those roles filled in a way where everyone's on the same page because under a cohesive vision yeah if you're as a coach if you have to do like all the recruiting and all the player and 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 personality managing and all the staff managing and X's and O's and the practice and the like if you have to do all of that to like most of it is on your plate and you don't have the people in place or the staff in place that you trust to bring me the 20 recruits that we are most interested in this off season. I'll then look at it, but I trust, like I will look at it. My word might be the final say, but I trust my scouting department when they bring me this report, I trust them like that. That I think is, is, uh, is a huge part of the game. Keeping your players, transfer portal, all that. Like we we talked about the newest thing now is, yeah, you got to let these freshmen play. You might have to break red shirts. You might have to do whatever it takes to keep, if you want a good player that you have that hasn't played a lot, you know they're about to transfer. You might have to make sacrifices to keep them. It's a, it's a new day. So 
any of these old coaches if they still want to have success because obviously some of them are still very successful there's plenty of old coaches that are like oh i gotta adapt cool nick saban top of that list nick saban's 70 something years old he's like oh okay new it's a new day everyone thinks they can catch up with us now okay i'll adjust no problem so he's always adjusting now that's what separates him. he's always yeah, changing he's like, always adjust. tweaking yep like I'll go get these high end offensive coordinator. Like I'll go get Lane Kiffin and Tommy Reese, and he tried to hire the uh, Washington. You uh, hired a thirty one year old offensive coordinator. Yeah, yep. he's like, I'll yep, do it. I'll like, do I, that. I know what we need. Like I know if this is what I need to do. Like I will adjust and I will set my ego aside, which is that's a big part of the leadership thing, right? Is get that ego out of here. And what do we need to do? What what needs to happen for us to be what we want to be? So. We'll, we'll keep an eye on Texas A&M. I want to hit some of these other ones briefly. Uh, Jeff Levy goes to Mississippi State. Uh, he's the former O court, uh, not former. He's the O coordinator this year at Oklahoma. He's been an assistant at uh, Ole Miss, Baylor, and UCF. So he certainly has a track record of being around some you know, impressive offenses. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know a bunch about him. I don't. I just know where he's been, kind of what is being said about him. But I think that is a, you know, it's Mississippi State. I don't even know what their expectations are every year. I'm not even joking here. I think it's probably just be bowl eligible and be Ole Miss. I think that's really all that they want to see. If you do anything more than that, that's great. But I, I think they're a fairly reasonable fan base. Um, I think they were pretty quick to move on. I you know, obviously, you, the, they – Mike Leach passes away, kind of throws their whole plan at Mississippi State for the future into a you know, tailspin, understandably. They have Zach Arnett, I believe his name is Zach Arnett, comes in and he's the, mm -hmm. you know, takes over mm -hmm. for him and doesn't have a good year. So they're like, all right, get out, which didn't even have a full season, which seemed, yeah, which sounds like seems a little premature. But if what they ultimately wanted, was somebody like Mike Leach, somebody who air raid, make our team fun to watch, right? Some, I like schools that are like, look, we're not winning a national championship. We're not winning an SEC. Like, we, you know, we still play for these things, but like, let's be realistic. We want to be Ole Miss. We'd like to go to a bowl game. If we beat a Tennessee or, you know, LSU or whatever, fantastic. But like, you know, Missouri, okay, cool. But we just want our offense to be fun. Like, we just want a team or a product that our alumni could tune in, people that come to games, and, like, we're going to score 30 points. There's going to be touchdowns. It's yeah. going to be fun to watch. Like, we might not win all these games, but, damn it, it'll be – people will want to watch us play. And I think the Jeff Levy hire, to me, just kind of signals that. Like, they're just looking for somebody from a high-powered offense, a little more air raid, spread it out. Bring that over to Mississippi State, and let's just like let's just have fun. Like let's just have a let's fun have fun. Product. The teams are playing. We're not going to out recruit them. They're going to be more talented than us. They're going to win more than us. Let's just have fun and see what happens. Yeah, like I, I I like that as an approach. I like a hire of a relatively unknown guy like a Jeff Levy could become the next big oh nice hot offense. Maybe he gets hired from Ole Miss. But I just like of all the hires or Mississippi State from all the hires so far. And they haven't been but that many. But, like, that was the one to me that was just like, oh, they just want to have fun. They just want an offense that's, you know, like UCF and Oklahoma and Baylor and just fun to watch, man. Just high-powered, score a bunch of points. They're like, well, you know what's not going to happen? We're not going to 
rock fight these teams to death. We're not going to hold teams to 17. And yeah, so like we got to go the other way on this, to your point. We're not going to out recruit Ole Miss and Bama and LSU. Like this is the area that we're fighting for recruits in Arizona and Georgia. Like we're not getting them. So let's just have fun, baby. I like it. Speaking of fun, Houston. Uh, that job is now open. They said Dana Holgerson. Thanks. It's been real. Um, I, I kind of he probably re- lost his job by like one or two games. Yeah, I looked at like the resume and I'm like, they probably wouldn't have. They probably would have given him one more year if he wins some uh-huh. of the, like that hail mary game. They lost some of the games are just like the way that they lost probably made somebody go. Damn, just nah, I don't want to watch this no more. It's probably just a frustration, like because. His overall record, I think he was there five or six seasons, like not bad, you know, not, but Houston does. Houston's an interesting job, right? Houston has their Big 12 now. So even before they were Big 12, they were probably one of the more powerful, resourceful, wealthy, able to recruit with. Like Houston is one of the more successful college basketball and football programs in the last 10, 20 years, just by like, record and and what they've done going to the big 12 now they want to be on a level like whether this is realistic or not they believe we want to fight with texas we want to fight with texas a&m we want to beat oklahoma like we that's they want to aspire to that and i like that um their link lincoln coogs is their collective they got a lot of money. They 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 do really really good nil work there. Um, and Lincoln Coogs is a great <laughs> it's a, is a great name because it's, it's a lot of money in it's, Texas. Yeah, a lot of lot of Texas money. Um, so they are looking at you know a number of people. The these next let's see we got Houston open Indiana open Louisiana Monroe which no one would ever talk about and UTEP open so I'm just gonna talk about Houston first with those names out there the more interested well let me go with the more like I could see this one happening uh, Jamie Chadwell Liberty's coach it's been 43 and six in the last four seasons I think it was week three when I called called my shot that Liberty was gonna go undefeated I got one more game to go and then the bowl game. Um, but they are a high-powered offense. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, Jamie Chadwell's name has been mentioned in a lot of openings in the last couple of years because of how he's brought that Liberty program up in CUSA. Or, yeah, CUSA. No, are they CUSA? They're American? They're... Yeah, they're CUSA. So he, he is, he's done a really good job there. I could see him being somebody that goes to Houston and brings that level of what he did to uh, Liberty, brings it to Houston, just kind of on a bigger scale. I could see that working. The more interesting name though, because last week with you and with Nate, I'm trying to, in my head, I'm like, I keep saying Dion's not going to stay at Colorado, but I also right now, because jobs open up down the line, but right now I also can't figure out where it makes sense for him to go until the Houston job opened up. And then I really started thinking Mm. about that. That Mm. I like, that's one of the only schools that I would like, that I that I see and be like that could work. <clears throat> Dion lives in Texas. He knows the area. He knows the state. He'd be able to recruit the bigger O and D linemen. Still get ill skilled position players. Houston's got the collective. They have uh, a vision. 
they are a Big 12 team now, uh, but a Big 12 team that probably has a higher ceiling than Colorado. <clears throat> I like – I'm going to try to speak into existence. I don't know – and I don't even know if it will happen this year, but I like Deion Sanders to Houston. That's one that I do like. That is a lateral enough – It's it is a step up, but still a lateral move, right? Like it's not – Okay, he he goes to like, like the LSU. I po- I posited that last week. There would be a fair case to be like, what has he done that deserves him being hired at LSU, right? Like if he goes four and seven and five, like you, there would be a fair case to be like, I'm sorry, why should he have the LSU job other than he'll make them a lot of money? But like, what on the field dictates that he's better than Brian Kelly? Because nothing so far. But Houston is one where it's like, it's a better better job without being so much of a step up same conference i don't know what do you what do you what are your thoughts on beyond beyond the houston regardless of what he says i think there is a zero percent chance that dion spends a decade at colorado that's insane i think there's a five percent chance he does five years at colorado I, I almost want to say there's a 0% chance he's doing five years. So this is year one. So yeah. four more of these, I find that really hard to believe. <laughs> really hard. I think I could see Dion at a Texas school for a long time. Mm-hmm. He could take a big job. I don't know if it's UT, which is like the job, mm-hmm. versus Houston, versus the SMU. Versus Texas A&M, but I could certainly see Dion take a job like that. Everyone in Texas knows him. Like you already said, as far as like who, how he can recruit, mm-hmm. the kind of momentum he could build. I think that would be a job that he could to could uh, could get and stay at for a while. Yeah, that's the other thing. I think there's longevity at it there for him, especially now that they're in the Big Twelve, right? They can recruit at that level. Um, you know, maybe they don't out recruit Oklahoma and Texas every year. But they could maybe steal a couple of their recruits and, um, you know, look. look you could definitely go into the living room and, and now talk, out pitch Brent Venables. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you could definitely you could definitely flip a recruit or two and then you can try to take that spot of kind of what TCU or Kansas State. Like you could kind of take that spot of like Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC now. Right. Mm-hmm. The Big 12 is going to be interesting to see, like, who's going to step up and be like, we know who we think it might be. Some of these Pac-12 schools coming, whatever. But yeah, it, it it could leave a power vacancy where a school like Houston could step up and be that ten-win school every year. Um, like you said, there's a longevity play for him there. They just are complete are are soon to complete a new football-only dedicated facility. It's like a hundred fifty, hundred sixty million dollar facility, which the school thought like that was the last thing that they were kind of missing was the you know facilities to be on par with some of these other programs. So I could definitely see it. Um, that's, it's really the only school for that, that checks a whole bunch of boxes for why it makes sense for me right now. Um, and just because I gotta, I gotta be fair about like a Texas and LSU, like I say these jobs, right. And we'll see what his resume is if those jobs come open, but I just gotta be consistent. I no four and seven coach should be going to Texas right now or LSU. Like you, you, you got to show me that you can 
build something like four wins from a team that won one is impressive, not knocking it. Now, on the other hand, Arizona also won one game last year as well, and they're nine and three in the number 14 team in the nation. So there is examples of like you can you can turn things around quicker. Not saying that he should, but there are unfortunately there will be examples of like you see what so and so did in one year, two years. Like I know it's Colorado, which is why I would say get out of there if you can. But um I, I think that move like I just think the jump to a bigger program might be less warranted based on what he has shown as a coach, not as a uh, a, a, a a check or a credit card or a money making machine. That is a different yeah. story, right? Like Texas don't need that. LSU don't need that. The way Colorado and some of these other schools would. So I like Dion to Houston. I want to get that train going now. We'll see what happens. But yeah, five. I got a homeboy that coach at TCU. He says that um one yeah, of the things that makes some of these other jobs coaching malpractice in the Big Twelve especially is Texas is a talent rich state. A lot of the kids they actually want to stay at home. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a really good program where you can say, "Hey, come play for Houston. Mm-hmm. You have home games here. You play other schools throughout Texas. Mm-hmm. Your family can see like kids really go for that." For and sure. so the fact that teams like Texas A&M and Texas like have struggled to recruit and, and keep these blue chip recruits, he says is is inexcusable. He said the right person gets to one of these Texas schools, they can do some real damage if they just they stick with it and come with a certain kind of momentum. Yeah. So I think Dion could be that person for real. Absolutely. There's no reason why Houston can't do what TCU did last year or you know, work themselves up to what TCU became, which is a team that could play in a national championship. Right. That Texas, Texas rich talent state, a school that for a while was in the non power five, joins the Big 12 about four or five seasons later. They're as big as anyone else. They're as fast. They're as tall. Like they have all the things that any of the other schools, right? You saw the TCU. And Michigan or TCU and Georgia on the field, you're like, they look like they belong here. Like uh, across the board, mm-hmm. they do not look like they are an overmatched team. And it's because, yeah, Texas, they got tech, they got it. They got a bunch of these Texas guys. So I want to see that one. Let's I'll throw that one out there. Uh, Indiana opening. I got a couple, couple suggestions here. Uh, one, I did make fun of him and I will continue to make fun of him. Like he keeps telling us how much he loves coach Harborough and coach Harborough loves him. But Sharon Moore um, <laughs> is a very, very good offensive coordinator. He called a good game. Like I'll, I'll, we'll get to the Ohio State Michigan game. Actually, um, I you will find no more disdain for the game anywhere else than you will here because I watched that game thoroughly, just like unimpressed and annoyed. But um, I could see Sharon Moore in this, you know, next three like having this opportunity and, and getting a look. Uh, Indiana would be one of those programs like it's indiana it's a basketball school but they got big time money they want to be you know one of those seven eight win schools I feel like Sheryl moore could could be a you know it's a young guy brother want to give him a shot but there are some reports that he could be the guy after harborough at michigan Michigan. if if harborough goes to the nfl or depending on how this flim flam investigation goes um so, Jerome, maybe you want to stay. Because if you could end up being the successor in Michigan, you'd do that. You don't go anywhere else. So, uh, But if not, Indiana could be a nice spot. The, another name for that Indiana opening, if they want to, again, kind of like Mississippi, if you just want to have fun, you want high-powered offense, 
Ryan Grubb is the uh, Washington offensive coordinator. Anybody who's seen how Washington plays football, I think would love the guy that calls their plays. Um, you know, obviously their head coach is a is a huge part of that too. But Ryan Grubb has been the guy who's worked very closely with Michael Penix Jr., former Indiana guy, um, which is hard to believe. Like, I, I wonder how many people realize. Do y'all know Michael Penix Jr. started at Indiana and no one thought any of this about him at that time? And then he's he's doing what he's doing now. Um, they beat somebody. He uh think he he beat Michigan State. Yeah, they beat Michigan State. When they, they were they, they got team, upset, I think. which is which is the only yeah. reason I like knew like he was kind of on my radar. But yeah, he definitely mm-hmm. I definitely didn't foresee this. So like kind of how he improved became at, reborn as yeah, Patrick at, Mahomes, at, yeah, left-handed version. The left-handed version of just bomb it deep. I, I like so Ryan Grubb, yeah, they 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 say Ryan Grubb, the OC there big part of that so indiana you want you want a firework show right go get ryan grubb um i mean i guess the 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 the, the michigan state job has been open i i don't um i don't want to talk about them i don't want to talk about their school their school <laughs> like their school is just their, their school is an embarrassment um the only reason i put louisiana monroe down here is because uh it, there's talks about them should they go back to the fcs um you know, should they leave the FBS or which whichever one? Yeah, SCS. Should they go back down? Because they they jumped up to the FBS, I think, like a decade ago, maybe a little bit more. It's one of the tougher jobs in the country. You know, you're in Louisiana, talent rich state, but you're the last pick from all the Louisiana schools. Um, and so I was just reading about, you know, really tough job. It's tough for anybody to yeah. really have success there. They've won a bowl game. Since they went in, you know, FBS, that was in 2012. Um, so my my suggestion there, UTSA running back coach Julian Griffin, young brother, um, UTSA's program certainly on the rise. Um, he's coached. Uh, I feel like running back coaches often don't get their names mentioned in these searches, but he um, he's been a big part of their offense. Their offense is great. He's coached the two time CSA CUSA Player of the Year. The running back over there, uh, Sincere, what was his name? Sincere, uh, I forget, I, I had it written down. His first name is Sincere, though, which is an awesome name. Um, or his last name is Sincere. But that's that's my suggestion there. UTEP, another Texas school, but not the same. It's closer to San Diego than it is to any of the Texas parts that have all the talent. So it's a tough recruiting cell there. Um I, I could see Jerry Kill, who's, I don't know. Eh, killing it. He's killing it. Uh, New Mexico State, I've I mentioned, they're about to play for 10 wins. I can't remember yep. the last time that that can't happened. Can't believe it. But if I'm, if, I'm Jerry, yeah, if I'm Jerry Kill, why the hell would I leave and go to Utah? Like, I should, my name is going to be mentioned for some of these better jobs. I'm good on the Utah. Thank you. Uh, Mac Lefwich is the O coordinator from Texas State, the same Texas State that scored 70-something points on Auburn on uh, Baylor the first week of the season. Um, so Mac Lefwich is a name that you might hear, O coordinator from that school and some of these. Like I feel like that's a good type of hire and opportunity. If you're an O coordinator at a Texas State, if you're looking for your first head coaching job, UTEP, you know, you're familiar with the state. Um, and I think I think Mac Leftwich played at UTEP. I think one of the candidates they were looking at was a former player. But 
it's a tough job. I just wanted to mention it because it's an opening and the Sun Bowl is a beautiful backdrop, mm -hmm. beautiful game to look at. But um, it's an old stadium. The rest of the facilities aren't like that. They're they're in a tough place to recruit. So um, tougher job, but just one worth uh, worth keeping an eye on for now. Just for like one of those somebody who's trying to get their first you know, foot in the door type of shot. These are generally the type of jobs that you you, know, you might have to start at. All right, no more job openings. I'll run through these real quick so we could get to some games. JMU is bowl eligible, baby. Uh, enough teams lost, which I told I was saying like that we were trending this whole season that there would be enough teams with not enough wins that JMU would get their eligibility. They got it. Uh, I'm sorry, Free JMU. I'm sorry for whoever they are going to play. I'm just sorry right now. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to lose, and you're going to lose by whatever the spread is or more. They're going to embarrass you, and you're just going to have to you're just going to have to hold that because JMU um, feels that they've been slighted all year, and they're going to take it out on whoever they face up with. So we'll wait for the bowl schedule there. Uh, Delaware, I talked about Delaware what two or three weeks ago when they unnecessarily were just shitting on Hampton. Yeah. Um, the, the the reason why they were doing that, and I I even said I'm like, look, you can like make your case to move up without shitting on somebody else, but um, they pay five million to move up to uh, FBS level. They're joining Conference USA, uh, so the Blue Hens are in effect. Um, they've been up, they've been a solid program at that level that they've been at for a while. This has been a goal of theirs for a while to get up to this next level. So they're paying the five dollar fee. Or the five million to five dollars, five million dollar fee to join uh, Conference USA, but obviously the money that they stand to make in the long run uh, will be like program changing money for uh, for. They make that up in a bowl game. Yeah, yeah. They or they'll just play Penn State for three million dollars next year, something like that. Um, but I guess uh, now they wouldn't get paid because they're uh, they're 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 a group of five now. So just yeah, blue ends. I'm not gonna say shout out. Because y'all were unnecessary. Well, it wasn't even them. It was a journalist. I can't even put that on Delaware. So shout out to Delaware. Let's see. They, they've they been talking about this move for a while. Um, they're a solid school across a number of sports. So we'll see how they adjust to the Conference USA. You got, you know, Liberty's running that thing for now. So get in line. Um, oh, no, Tulane. Sorry, Tulane's running the Conference USA. That's a that's the uh, oh, no, Tulane's in the American Liberty's running the Conference USA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, they need to change one of those. Conference USA has been around for longer. I, I feel like they shouldn't be a Conference USA and an American conference. I feel like the American conference should change to something else. So I keep wanting to call them Conference USA. Uh, all right, Benedict College. Just real quick shout out. This is a small HBCU. Uh, they are the only undefeated HBCU in the country. They went 11 and 0 this year. They're the SIAC champions. Um, so shout out to them. Shout I don't know, where them. They, don't know where they are. I've never heard of Benedict College, but um, South so Carolina, we, maybe might be. I've, I let's see. I shouldn't say I've never heard of it. I have heard of it. I should say I don't know where it is. Yeah, South Carolina, good call. It's in Columbia. Man, yeah. I definitely should have known yeah. that. Um, yeah, so shout out to Benedict's Columbia, South Carolina's own 11-0 um, SEAC champions. Salute to y'all. Sunbelt. We are Sunbelt pod. They are sending 12 teams bowling this year. <laughs> I don't know how many teams are in their conference. 
but it seems like all of them are going to be playing in a bowl game this year. <laughs> Probably twelve. <laughs> so, so, like when I when when we said maybe third week of the season that it goes Pac-12, SEC, Sun Belt, I wasn't joking. I I sincerely meant that that from the top to bottom that they were one of the most talented conferences in America. Let's say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. They are a fourteen team conference. They're sending twelve of their teams bowling. Who else did that? No, no one. No. Who else no did any one. any plus of their teams to, to, <laughs> no, no to bowls? I don't think anyone. I'm looking now. SEC one, two, three, four, five missed it from the SEC. Pac-12 had one, two, three, four miss it. Yeah, no, no one else did anything close to this. Like, honestly, that that's insane. That's that's nuts. The only the only schools, not to call them out, the only schools that are not going bowling from this conference are UNL Monroe and Southern Miss. Everyone else is going bowling from that conference. I can't wait till we have our little uh, our our draft, our bowl draft, because I might just my first twelve picks might just be Sun Belt teams unless they're playing each other. Because y'all y'all aren't ready for what the Sun Belt's about to do. All right, let's talk games, playoffs, all that stuff. Let's get to the twelve team playoff ours, the committee. First, I could pull up an AP poll since it is Monday. We don't have updated college football <laughs> rankings, but we have an AP poll, so. Let's go top 12 here from the AP. We have Oklahoma 12, Ole Miss 11, Penn State 10, Missouri 9, Alabama 8, Texas 7, Ohio State 6, Oregon 5, Florida State 4, Washington 3. So they moved up finally. Michigan 2, Georgia 1. Um, I don't really have much issue with their top 12, the, the AP. I, I, I think the uh, other than uh, Penn State needs to get behind both Ole Miss and Oklahoma. But other than that, they have the right 12 teams. Um, and I don't even so much disagree with the order as things stand right now based on how they have to do it. I get it. I want to see the college football playoff rankings. But me, I, I had a similar – it's the same 12 teams. I don't think you could really have other teams that, well – they don't respect Liberty like I do. So I have Oklahoma 12. I have Ole Miss 11. Missouri 10. Ohio State dropped down to 9 because Liberty is at 8 because undefeated teams get respect around here. Uh, Texas I got at 7. Michigan I moved up to 6. Remember, Michigan has been like my 7 or 8 team. Yeah, you beat Ohio State and also not that good team. Michigan 6. Alabama is better than Michigan. They're 5. Florida State 4. Still undefeated. It wasn't the prettiest win. We'll talk about it. Uh, Oregon 3, Washington 2. Uh, yeah, Oregon 3 for me. We'll talk about that. And Washington 2, UGA 1. Um, what stands – what are you most – let me say this. What are you most interested to see about tomorrow's CFP rankings? I feel like we'll probably have the same answer. I mean, I'm most curious to see what they're going to do with Florida State. Yeah. I'm already hearing talks that Florida State could get left out. Yeah. Potentially even replaced by a one loss team. Yeah. Which concerns me. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. We'll see how they treat Florida State. 
Yeah, that's that's my answer too. Um, as I look at it, like you know, to me, it was less about the Florida game and more about the Louisville game. And here's why: just because the Florida game is the first game after you've lost your quarterback, rivalry game on the road, hostile environment. I, I'm not doing the style points game there. Just win. Come out of the swamp with the victory. I'm not knocking you out of my top four. This is me. The style points are going to come more in play against Louisville because now you've had two weeks without your starter. You're whoever the starter, you know, the backup's getting two, two full weeks of practice. Um, conference championship, top 15 opponent. I think the style points will matter more. Louisville's in the, loss in the really Louisville. hurt them too. Yeah, Louisville losing. That's 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 a big part of why I'm saying that the style points are going to matter more. If Louisville had won and was coming into this, you know, the number eight team or whatever, number nine, eight, somewhere in that range, and I then I would be more of the mindset of I don't care how much Florida State wins by if they win, they're in. Right? They're 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 an undefeated ACC champion who beat a top ten team to to finish their you know season and 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 conference play. To me, they would be in. But now when Louisville loses, now I feel like we're going to have to do this style points game more. And the reason is twofold. Well, it's more than two. The reason is because you have these possibilities exist. Alabama beating Georgia could make them jump Florida State. If if Let's just look. I'm just going to say these are all possibilities. Alabama beating Georgia could mean they're in over Florida State. Not saying it should, could. Uh, Oregon avenging their loss against Washington would mean that they would probably jump Florida State. Um, so if Texas, yeah, so I guess they wouldn't be avenging their loss. Maybe less of a case there. Um, but they currently sit ahead of Alabama. So if 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 Alabama they would, beats, they would have a if, win. if Alabama beats Georgia, now Texas has beat the team that beat the team. Yeah. So yep. that that would be a thing. Um, so I, yeah, it, it it gets interesting, and I think now we have to have a style points conversation about like how like Florida State can't just win; they have to win convincingly. And unfortunately, I think they have to win convincingly, and their quarterback has to prove that he is like he he has to show like oh, like he's got an arm, like clearly he's got you know physical ability. But I think if he were to have like a 300-yard, two or three touchdown game and they went convincingly, there's no argument from uh, in my eyes for Florida State not to be in. That's just me. Yeah, I think that's where it becomes problematic. We, For me, you cannot apply a style points criteria one week out of the season to one mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about style points. We want to talk about style points across the board. And if we're going to call wins by Florida State shaky, we have to then talk about other rivalry week wins, talk about how Georgia Tech played, mm-hmm. talk about, you know, what happened in some of these other contests, and then apply that same, keep that same energy. And we just, we're not doing that right now. So yeah. I think an undefeated Florida State team, you'd be hard-pressed convincing that team doesn't deserve to be in the playoff, just off principle. Yeah, I agree. Like from just to to separate what I think might what I think will need to happen from a committee standpoint versus what I think. 
I look, I put Liberty in my, you know what I mean? Like if we're doing playoffs, like mm-hmm. Liberty, Liberty's in. JMU was in. Like I respect undefeated teams in college football. It's really hard to do. If they win all their games, they're in. I it's not a conversation for me. Why I think if I'm talking committee, we have to have a style points conversation. And why it only is going to apply to this week, and maybe it applies to other weeks, it's because of the injury to their starting quarterback. If mm-hmm. it, if Jordan Travis is healthy and they win ugly, they're still going to get in. I The only reason I think the committee is going to be so focused on the style points element of it is because they're going to want to see that this is a team that's so good that even without Jordan Travis, look what they just did. Like I just so I'm just I'm putting myself in the in the committee room of kind of how they will look at it. Um, but yeah, in my eyes and in your, like I, we're both on the same page. An undefeated power five team is in. No end of discussion. I don't care if they won all their games by a point. They're in. Um, I do think you're right. The nightmare, we didn't even talk about some of these other teams. Nightmare scenario of Alabama winning, mm-hmm. Iowa winning, mm-hmm. well, Oregon Jesus winning, Iowa now winning. creates like five or six one loss yeah. teams, yeah, and undefeated Florida State. Chaos. That would be bad for Florida State. Yeah, chaos. Um, thankfully, uh, Iowa can't win, no matter how disrespectful I might be of Michigan. Not going that far. So, all right, let's talk before I go games. Let's talk because we're going to preview all the championship games. So I'll save some of this. Um. Yeah, I, I mean that's we'll see what happens when the, when these playoff rankings come out. I don't really like we've kind of covered all the scenarios. I don't I, I'm not I don't think we've really left anything out here. So we'll just we'll see what what happens and then we have championships to play, right? Because a lot of this, like we say, could take care of itself if Georgia wins and Michigan wins and Washington wins and and Florida State wins. Then there's four undefeateds and this is not a conversation, right? So we'll we'll see. Um, we there's no more discussion to have about Heisman's. Jaden Daniels is I, I suppose this was week three of me saying this. Jaden Daniels is, is the Heisman winner. Uh, the LSU band formed in the shape of a Heisman trophy during their halftime just performance. Give so it to was, him today. Can we that just was awesome. <laughs> tweet a pic. Can we just have an Instagram post and just call it? We have a ceremony. Like, we don't that- anybody else. And well, the problem, like, and that was like, I'm glad that they made a point of like doing that because that is. This is a campaign, and I think people need to – that word is very important. It's not a skill. It's not a award. Like, yes, it's an award, but it's a campaign. And the campaign part is important because it's votes and it's, like, timing and all this stuff. And so there was something to be said for, like, this is Jaden Daniels' last opportunity to make an, uh, you know his impression. Bo Nix and Michael Penix are about to literally face off against one another next week. They will have those moments – uh, Marvin Harrison was the only other guy. I'll get to my frustrations with the Ohio State game calling in a little bit, but um, yeah, I, 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 it's this is like, like Bo Nix played really amazing on uh, against Oregon State, and afterwards I was like, no, that's really cool. He should win second place. It's a really great season, Bo Nix. You should totally yeah. be, totally be the Bo Nix. Looks like a great Maxwell winner to me. <laughs> No, nah, I don't even know if he's gonna win that, but he should totally be the runner <laughs> up. Should totally be the runner up for the Heisman. Like I got 
there there is nobody more deserving of second place than you, sir. So way to ball, um, <laughs> team MVP. Like you are really good. And if Jaden Daniels at the exist, Oregon football banquet, give if, him the award. If if Jaden Daniels, I mean, no, get a second place is like second place Heisman is awesome. And you in a year where there is no Jaden Daniels, that's your award probably. Like you'd probably win that. Maybe, but yeah. Jaden Daniels exists. So sorry. Um, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my bet in. I'm going to look at the odds, but I'm definitely going to get my bet in on Daniels. Um, if it doesn't cash, it doesn't cash. But I will sleep well at night going knowing that I did the right thing by choosing who really should be the winner. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that, man. Like, he, he, he had one of the best seasons in SEC history. And the only, the only, like, okay. Johnny Manziel won the Heisman with a very similar stat line and win total, which was the other perfect thing. I was like, Manziel's team lost two or three that year, too. So the whole team record thing, like, we got a perfect comp there. Same with Tim Tebow. Um, did he? Did they lose two games that year when he won I think it? so. Okay, because I know one – I know he might not have he, won they, it. The he won the team that they didn't win the national that championship. They didn't win the, yeah, I was going to say that he yeah. won it without the championship. Because he had – it wasn't his arm – didn't he have the broken – the cast? Wasn't he the one who held the uh, – was holding the trophy with his with the cast? Or who was that? Who am I thinking of? There's a quarterback that had a cast on his arm when he was holding the trophy. Might have been – um was it Jason White? No, it was more recent than that. Let me just do Tim Tua Heisman. Hold on. So I feel like I – I would remember if it was Tim Tebow that had the thing. But I recently had... watched the uh, the Swamp documentary. That's why. I... That's why you knew vividly it, it wasn't. Was, it yeah. wasn't him. It wasn't him because also I was like Tebow didn't break his arm. Um, I don't remember who it was. Somebody was holding the damn uh, trophy. Maybe it was Jason White. <clears throat> I'm just typing in Heisman Trophy broken hand quarterback. I don't know that that's the best Google search, but let me. <laughs> Let me see what pops up here. Mm. Seeing a lot of able-bodied hands grabbing this trophy. <laughs> Maybe I'm making that up in my head, although I feel like I'm not, but whatever. Um, I saw an interview with Jason. I was talking about going through the airport with his Heisman, and they wouldn't let him do security because he had this obviously this huge trophy. They were like, what is this? He's like, the Heisman trophy. They're like, no, it's not. Like, what is it for real? <laughs> the golf club's like, it's, it's the Heisman trophy. I'm the best player. I was like, no, you're not. Yeah, yes, I am. <laughs> that's not a, a trophy. Stop, stop playing. That's funny. All right, Tim Tebow does have a broken hand, but not holding a, a trophy. Anyway, um, the only thing I did want to, like I said, like he's having one of the best seasons ever. Um, he, I think he finished. Jane Daniels finished with like eleven hundred rushing yards somewhere in that neighborhood. It, it Tim Tebow ran for uh, not Tim Tebow. Johnny Menzel ran for like fourteen hundred <laughs> yards that one year, which is insane it's hard to hard to imagine yeah he is so much like Jaden daniels isn't huge but Jaden daniels is substantially bigger than johnny manzel if you if you just saw like if you didn't watch johnny manzel play and i just showed you a screenshot of this little tiny man uh, uh on the field with texas a&m and said that dude as a freshman was the most difficult player to stop and that i one of like he was as impactful as cam newton in a different way obviously he's not run doing that whole goal line stuff but it's like, yeah, that little guy, no one could stop him from running around and doing whatever he wanted. So that it just I didn't realize he ran for that many yards and they put his season up next to Jane Daniels. And that to me was like, 
look, he's having a Joe Burrow season and the Johnny Manziel season. Like, what more do you yeah. want this guy to do? That's two Heisman is a historic, historically great college football season. He's having two Heisman Trophy seasons in one season. Just give him, give it to him. That's that's the end of the discussion. All right, Queen pick quick, ooh, quick Kings and Kings of Florida and Virginia, and then we will get to games from this past weekend, and then we will preview some games. Kings of Florida, Florida State, 12-0, FAMU, 10-1. They are, uh, I think they're like the four seed in the playoffs. Oh, no, that's, I'm sorry, that's North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central is the HBCU. Uh, they actually lost, though, so they're already out. Scratch that. FAMU, 10-1, Miami, 7-5, UCF, 6-6, six six, Florida, 5 um, sorry, South Florida six and six, Florida five and seven, FAU four and eight, FIU four and seven. Bethune Cookman finishes at three and eight. Um, UCF was, you know, they, they got back up there before the season started. We predicted them as the uh, second best team in Florida. Um, you know, FAMU is, is holding down that two spot, but there is a possibility since Miami seven and five and UCF is six and five, there is a possibility that they finish with the same record. Um, and if that happens, I'm putting UCF ahead of them. Just putting that on notice right now. Kings of Virginia, Liberty, 12-0, holding us down. JMU, 11-1, bowl eligible. Uh, Richmond, 9-3. They won their first-round playoff matchup in the uh, playoffs in the SCS, so they're moving on. Uh, Virginia Tech got to 6-6, six and six, as they almost always seem to. ODU got bowl eligibility on a game-winning uh, walk-off. This weekend, William and Mary's five and six, Hampton five and six, uh, VMI five and six, Norfolk three and eight, Virginia three and nine. They did not beat Virginia Tech this weekend. They didn't cover. They didn't do anything. They didn't do any of the things <laughs> that we thought. Hey, maybe they might. Now, also, I talked to Nate. He, you know, he didn't. Did get they let Nate run they, out? They didn't let him lead. I'm telling you, bro. They didn't let really? him lead him out. This is yet another year where Nate is not leading them out with a loss on the board. Got to go with what works. Like there's a one hundred. They got to learn. There's a one hundred percent win win you know win record. One hundred percent with Nate leading the team out. Uh, defeated without him. I'm just I'm just just throwing that out there. So you know maybe next year. You know, the it's just math, on, guys. It's just math. Yeah, the game's on the road next year, so you know you, you're not gonna have him next year, but you know. 2025 let's 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 get it in the schedule right now let's 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 go with what works um first team all name let me just throw out some because i have more names than we had weeks um i got a roman hemby which is that guy he sounds like i don't want to tackle him he's a running back from maryland and just on name alone if i had to do the oklahoma drill with roman hemby I don't want to do that. It sounds like it would be painful. Um, let's see what else I got. I got a Snake Higgins. I don't know where he plays. Just wrote it down. Um, Scadaboo. Don't even know what his first name is. It's the Arizona State running back. I've heard his name so many times. Scadaboo. Uh, that's his <laughs> last name. I don't know his first name. His last name, Scadaboo. Uh, he's a pretty good player, too, but that, that's a great name. All right. Let's talk games from this last week. And then we'll preview uh, championship week. So Thursday, Egg Bowl, back where it's supposed to be. For a couple of years now, they had moved that game off of actual Thanksgiving and they'd started playing it on Black Friday. But my whole childhood growing up, that was the one college. We always had Lions, Cowboys. 
But there was always the one college game that was on at night, that 7 o'clock kickoff. It was always the Egg Bowl. So I'm glad they moved that back. Um, cowbell hell, right? Uh, the cowbells are always cowbelling. But when it's the Egg Bowl, it's that is cowbell hell. Um, they started the game off with a swag surf, but with cowbells. So instead of everybody to swag, I surf, it's ding and ding and ding ding ding, just cowbell hell. Um, and first half, I thought Ole Miss was about to succumb to the power of the cowbell because they kept it low scoring. The the Ole Miss wasn't Jackson Dart wasn't Darton. Uh, the, the Lane Kiffin wasn't Kiffin in like none of the things that Ole Miss usually do were were happening. But that mm-hmm. second half, they 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 came back out and uh. They had a second half, so they avoided the upset. But I love the I love the Egg Bowl. It's a fun game, and that was man, that was college, man. We talking about millions of dollars, change your hands, yada 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 yada. It's supposed to be fun. Have yep. fun. Egg bowls. This was this was the, the, the this is the weekend of like this. What this is what it's really about. When you see these teams win, sprint over to the trophy, looked it up. Doesn't matter what our record was. Doesn't matter what we're doing next week. Like it was about this week, this game. Uh, love that, and I feel like the Egg Bowl was our preview of like throw the records out, pick up, you know, pick some underdogs to cover, do whatever. Like it was clear, like Miss- Mississippi set the tone early that these games aren't going to go how you think they're going to go. So that was on Thanksgiving. Uh, Friday we had uh, Iowa masterpiece, masterpiece. I tell you, from Iowa, their box score for like the first three quarters read like punt 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 field goal punt 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 turnover field goal punt 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 like they were just and then at the end they let nebraska throw an interception to them so they could get within field goal range and kick the field goal it was a kirk ferentz masterpiece he was almost in tears after the game and i don't think it was because they got the 10 wins or his son's going to be gone soon or i don't think it's because of any of that i think he was so damn proud and emotional of just his his masterpiece of I don't want the ball I don't want points and I'm gonna beat you and they did it so shout out to you Iowa that will not work against Michigan but um you're gonna try you're gonna you're gonna try to punt them out of the playoff and it won't work but good luck we'll see we'll see yeah it it won't work Cooper Michigan can't always Cooper score he's not playing. Yeah, but Iowa doesn't score. So the thing about Michigan is, can you kick a field goal? Probably. You're good then. You'll be all right. Because they're not going to score. Iowa's not going to score on Michigan. They're not. So, you know, maybe they – and Cooper DeGene's not even there to return punts or pick six. They got no shot. But whatever. Friday, staying on Friday, Tulane, UTSA, one of my sleeper games. Um, That's going to be a good one. Yeah, they, they – uh, they had a, it was a good game. Like that game was super fun. Um, and then this weekend we got uh, Tulane and SMU, right? Because SMU um, beat uh, Navy, so they get to play in the conference championship. But that was a good UTSA Tulane. They were both undefeated, or all three were undefeated, and Tulane was. Yeah, it was a three-way race for that. Yep, three-way race. So whoever the winner, Tulane UTSA, was going to likely take on SMU. But if SMU lost, then we would have got the rematch. So SMU wins, but it was a really good game. Um, Tulane and uh, USTA. Uh, USTA has a turnover triangle 
like the instrument. So when they got a turnover, the cornerback sprints over to the sideline and it's a big oversized triangle, like uh, suspended, like on a you know pipe, like a three by four, they have it hanging so that you just run over like a dinner bell and ding, 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 hit the turnover like triangle. Dinner bell. Yeah, like, the, like just like turnover triangle, baby, ding, ding. I'm like, that's the least intimidating sound of any instrument. That like you know you, you bang a big drum, people are doing dunks on the sideline, all types of stuff. They run over and hit a triangle that may or may not even produce <laughs> any sound, but that that is my uh, turnover object for the Somebody week. Somebody said bring bring three stacks in his flute. <laughs> yeah, the turnover flute. The turnover flute. We got turnover triangle. That's the newest invention of our turnover game. Georgia Tech. Georgia, Georgia Tech, Tech, make the call. <laughs> Georgia Tech, turnover flute, baby, turnover flute. Um, I, w- I want to see that at the ball game, turnover flute. We got uh, the Tulane, sorry, Tulane, UTSA, Color Pop. I don't, it's, it's a nominee for Color Pop of the Week. I'm going to tell you which one took the cake, though. That was going to be my winner. Beautiful Tulane, beautiful orange, all that. Um, Oregon on Friday. Oregon is the only team Moke. from this weekend Moke, who just did like they're just out there and like they're the they're the only offense that's just like oh we're just having fun like we're, we're this is just fun <laughs> like that guy's gonna be open over here this run play is gonna work deep shot over here real quick over here oh it's just fun man this is whatever oregon is the only team that was just like what rivalry week what are you talking about we're gonna do what we do every week score 40 beat you by 30 moving on uh, we'll talk about the preview next week because I've, I've kind of been saying it all year. And then Vegas is like, oh, no, no, no. Let me show you how right you've been about Oregon. Nine and a half point favorites against Washington this weekend. Oof. Nine and a half point favorites. So, yes, I've been saying all year I think Oregon's better. I think they'll win the rematch. I think they could be the 14. You know, I put them ahead of Ohio State and Michigan, all these teams. And now I, I just want everyone to see why. Like, Washington is a very good team. They are being spotted nine and a half points against Oregon at a neutral site. So just that game bears monitoring. Uh, but yeah, they it was it was 14-7 uh, early. Beavers made it, uh, you know, scored the seven. And I was like, all right, here we go. And then Oregon we get them came on down. Friday night too. Yeah, Oregon came, yeah, they play Friday night. Uh, Oregon came down after you know, Oregon State made it seven. 50 seconds later, it was 21 seven. And I was like, all right, that's that's the end of that. They're just gonna do what they do. Um, Beavers a couple times they were sending you know pressure in the red zone to disrupt the timing and my whole thing was like yo you might as well do that all game because you, it's a bunch of one-on-one matchups that you can't play zone all game against Oregon you're going man a lot anyway it's a bunch of one-on-one matchups y'all can't cover their receivers as it as it is you might as well just heat up Bo Nix and heat this offense up because Maybe maybe he'll throw it off, you know, disrupt the timing. He'll have to throw it sooner. But no one has figured out how to stop this offense yet. I'm about so. to say, I think you're being generous. Like, I don't know if Oregon could have had a game plan to stop. Or, Oregon said he didn't have a game plan to stop. No, Oregon. they, they Oregon was going to do that regardless. Yeah, I just saw the, the couple times it was down in the red zone. They heated him up. They sent the, a similar blitz off the edge off of Bo Nix's left and then right side, so both sides. And I just – I saw that, that was – the most as effective as they were all game was he had to throw it sooner. There's a little less separation. They're not getting as much run after the catch, but it was still like 
He was completing it for eight or nine yards, you know, slants, whatever. So yeah, I don't. Again, I don't know how you. I, I we haven't seen anyone stop Oregon yet. So yeah, that that was gonna be a loss. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Like Oregon State, I just don't think they were they were ready. And they showed us that. Um, all right, then we move to Saturday. Saturday, Saturday. Uh, SMU, like I said, they took care of Navy, um, <laughs> UMass, and UConn for the last place in the FBS Independent Conference on the line. UConn drubbed uh, UMass. I, I actually thought UMass was going to do something at home for their final game, which this was like, this was the dumbest game. I was probably the only one like, hey, I think I've, I've seen some UMass games. I've seen what they did against a pretty good New Mexico State team. Like, nah, they got beat by UConn, who's trash. So, sorry. Uh, UCF versus Houston. That was for bowl eligibility for uh, UCF and possibly for Houston. Um, but I think let me see. I think Houston's gonna go bowling anyway. I, I think I think they finish where they finish. No, no, no. They were trying to get to maybe five wins, and depending on other results, but UCF gets to go bowling. Houston gets to fire um, their coach. So there's that. Uh, Jaden Daniels versus Texas A&M or LSU versus Texas <laughs> that is, A&M. That is, in fact, <laughs> but, what the game was. But it's really Jaden Daniels versus Texas A&M. Um, that was, you know, his his Heisman exclamation point. Like, I, I guess ran all this, over them. this is what this, I do every yeah. game. So Ran all did, over them. Did that. That was, to me, the, the just the, the icing on the cake. Uh, Louisville versus Kentucky. We had pregame beef on the field between the two teams and state robbery, obviously. Then we had the better beef, which was Kentucky players trying to fight the Louisville band going into the locker room before the game. Um, I've never seen a player that threw the upside down L's at the band for Louisville. Yep. So I'm yep. like, what, what are you trying to swing on a trombone player right now? Like, what is this? Like, this isn't, it's not the HBCU bands, by the way, which. Let me tell you all the difference, just so you know. If you're like the people in the HPCU fan uh, band, they'll throw hands and knock you out, and then play music. It's like a fraternity or sorority, yeah. like they, they they'll knock you out. Like they they're not, they're, they're not the band geeks that y'all are thinking about from high school that you can just pick on and take lunch money and beat. Nah, they're not that. The HBCU band people, they'll throw hands and then they'll play. Hit them with the little flight of the bumblebee. Um, Some people got six packs. They're not yeah, playing. No, nah, they're they're not for play. But they're athletes. You know, some of the predominantly white school bands, the the marching is less rigorous, shall I say? There's just yeah, it's just different style, and they're not typically the ones like here for the smoke. They're just here to play the music when the team scores. So for hey the man, football... hey man, I'm just I'm here to play <laughs> trombone. Just yeah, for the football team to be like, what y'all y'all want smoke? What y'all want? Trumpet man? What you want? Flute girl, what you want? Unnecessary. Hilarious, but unnecessary. Uh, all right, number one of that window, 12 o'clock window, the game, as Gus Johnson kept saying, the world-famous Ohio State University. And I love Gus Johnson, but let me tell you something, Gus. If you go to Japan and show them a, the Buckeye logo, they're like, what the, what the hell is this? What is this? I don't know what this is. They're not world-famous. They People in America know about Ohio State. No one else in any other country cares anything at all about any of this. So I just wanted to make that clear. I wouldn't say that they're the world famous Ohio State. You could just say the Ohio State. Um, the V is enough as it is. Yeah, you could just do the V, which is already enough. Um, so I said it going in this week. 
yes, it's the most important game. Yes, it's significant. We've mentioned all the reasons why. But I also said, I don't think it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be a good game. I don't think I'm going to enjoy watching it. And I think when it's over, I'm going to look at both of those teams and say, neither of you are better than some of these other teams. And I was open to being wrong, but that's exactly what happened. Like, two things, or probably a lot of things. First, um, Ryan Day. You, you can't... On the first drive of the game, in neutral territory, fourth and one, or maybe it's the second drive of the game, fourth and one, punt it. First quarter. He, he forgot. No, no one told him it was a robbery game. You, you he are forgot. essentially, you are essentially saying, we don't think we could win this game. Like that to me, punt that early, right? And it came at like the first drive. Uh, Azabuka or Abuka drops a wide open slant that would have kept the, the opening drive of the game going. And I'm cursing Ohio State out because I, yes, it's the first drive, but bro, this is, you're on the road, rivalry game. You haven't beat them in the last two years. You're an underdog. You got the stop. You're now out on offense. Third play of the drive, slant. Your quarterback's not that good. He actually hits you in the hands and you drop it and now you got to punt it. And I was like, that's, it's early, but stuff like that will ruin it all and it did it was like that okay that drives over michigan got the ball ran right down the field scored um so that just ryan day super conservative on his decision making at the end of the half letting the fuck the, the play clock run down to kick a field goal 10 yards out of range of your kicker who's not very good was dumb uh you got Martin is this Harrison. exactly what we talked about joe harbour with a few years ago like this kind of conservative play calling. Yeah, I mean, not yeah, showing confidence in the offense. This is exactly what Harbaugh used to do. It is, and it's just like this is why he used to get beat all the time by Ohio State until he realized that we can't do this no more. Like you ran the ball nineteen times up the A or B gap against the best defensive line in the country. I don't respect Michigan much, but let me tell you two places I do respect them. Their front four is ridiculous, and their secondary is incredible. I don't give them credit anywhere else for anything. You kept running it to the strongest part of their defense. You were super – yes, you have to be committed to the run. I don't know if anyone told Ryan Day this or even the announcers or anybody. There are more ways to run the ball than just like B-gap, A-gap, dive left, dive Power. right. Damn, it's not working. <laughs> so they kept doing that. They ran it 19, right. 19 times with Henderson. Meanwhile, the best player in the country touched the ball – the best non-quarterback in the country – Touched the ball five times. You got Marvin Harrison, and oh, every time he touches it, it's twenty yards or more, and he scored. You cannot leave that game with Marvin Harrison Jr. five catches, and even though he says five catches like a hundred something yards and a touchdown, he needs twelve catches. He need he needed to be targeted, and I get I get it. Kubnick loves throwing the ball to the other team, like he loves it. That wasn't even some of those picks, wasn't even like good play, Michigan. It was just, dude, what are you doing? The what the first pick, which was a read option, that they're like, Marvin Harrison gave up on the route. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is a option, meaning you have the option to throw it if the defense dictates that you should. He did the play the 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 run read going off tackle right. I'm sitting there looking like no one's playing the run. Nobody. This is the one time where you could go off tackle right. No one's playing the run. He pulled that ball out so fast and threw it right to the Michigan defender. And Marvin Harrison Jr. was like, what are you – you didn't give up. He was like, 
I'm not open. He played inside leverage. This is a run pass option. Clearly, the quarterback's not an idiot. He's going to hand it off. He looked up. He's like, why is he throwing it? Why am I playing defense now? Like, it, it was so frustrating. So the quarterback stinks, which I said all year about Ohio State. The play calling was awful. Ryan Day, sorry. Like, this is this is the world that you live in. You can win all your other games, but if you do not beat uh, Michigan three times now, you're going to get fired. They are going to fire you. It doesn't matter whether you deserve it or not. You can't continue to lose to Michigan in the same way, making the same mistakes, which is what's happened the last three years. So it was the most frustrating game of the weekend by far to me. I am not impressed by Michigan because of what they did, nor am I impressed by Ohio State. I see they're leaving a backdoor opportunity here for Ohio State. If you go by the AP poll, who moved them to six, meaning they're waiting for Oregon to maybe fall and Washington State to maybe fall. And if you know, Bama doesn't beat Georgia, Ohio State's above Texas, so they could slot Ohio State right back in the playoffs. They can't wait to do it. But get them out of my life, and I don't want to see Michigan anymore either because they don't, they didn't they weren't impressive to me. They just played a team that was like, we don't. We're not we're not going to win this. Like we we we're not we're not we're not deserving of winning this. So I it, like I don't like either of these teams anymore. I'm a very non-biased, non-emotional person. They made me hate both of these teams for different reasons. Uh, I was just, I was just saying. I hope the expanded playoff forces teams like Ohio State, Michigan to play a stiffer competition. I think some of what we're gonna see some of that via the Big Ten's realignment, but part of my ongoing thought with both of them is that I just don't really know how good they are. Yeah. They beat up mostly on bad teams, other Big Ten teams, mm-hmm. and Notre Dame. But, like, I'm not impressed, to your point. So it's like, we'll, we'll see. When playoff time comes, what's what? But beating each other doesn't really tell me much about what these teams are made of. That's just yeah. where I'm at with it. I know other people disagree. Yeah, that's yeah. We're kind of aligned there with that. And look, I I would like very much for Ohio State. If, you know, I I they shouldn't get into the playoff. Maybe something crazy happened. But if they don't, I would love to see them matched up against either like Texas or Alabama. And I really hope Michigan has to play either uh, Washington or Oregon, right? Because I I want to see Michigan have to play face an offense that is actually a threat. And I want to see Ohio State. Uh, I actually, I, I don't need to see anything else from Ohio State. I, I was, even though I picked Ohio State to win and that wasn't, it. they certainly had the ball driving with an opportunity to do so. Um, I all year have not thought, I've thought less of Ohio State than Michigan. I just thought Ohio State had, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison and you could just, win with him which you actually can you should try throwing in the ball more um all right but yeah well it, it's we're, we're we're aligned there uh right before i cut off before i was at i was saying oklahoma state like we said they beat byu um they were sleepwalking a little bit for a while it looked like byu was about to just let oklahoma back into the uh playoff picture which actually i think texas probably would have preferred because then they could avenge their one loss um but do you give Oklahoma State a chance over Texas at all? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I Texas, like a lot of teams this year, we have we don't really know what Texas is week to week. Some weeks look like world beaters. Some weeks could be Alabama. 
other weeks they sleepwalk through 500 teams. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll come up around the occasion, but again, I, we'll see. Oklahoma State's played some inspired football. They've been there before. They have some experience, so I think anything can happen. Yeah. Um, I would I would certainly favor, and I'll, when we preview the games, I'll have the spreads up. I would certainly favor uh, Texas, but I agree. Like, it's not – I wouldn't rule it out. Uh, I would say, though, that Texas, if you want to go off of, like, kind of momentum and how they're playing, like, the way they looked against Texas Tech, like a very capable Texas Tech team, especially on offense. The whole Texas Tech to seven points is very impressive. So if they can carry that, like you said, if they can carry that over to next week because – you know, the week prior, they kind of slept walk through an Iowa State team, which I get it's a hard place to play. And they have back-to-back road games. They played TCU the week before, close one with Kansas State. It was a good team. Um, but they did blow, you know, they blew BYU out, who, and I'm not going to just do straight transitive property there, but they blew BYU out. Oklahoma State almost lost to them. Texas should win that one, but you're right. I wouldn't be, I guess, Yes, we, we shouldn't be surprised if we see a version of them that we've seen before that doesn't play to their... Yeah, Texas should win, though. Yeah, they should win. Um, New Mexico State over Jacksonville State was also one of my two sleeper games because that was for the CUSA title spot. Um, so New Mexico State got that one. They will be playing Liberty in the uh, conference championship there. Shout out to New Mexico State and Jerry Kill. Like, again... Can't remember the last time I've thought about them or any team of theirs that ever did anything ever. Uh, I've done. We are, we are kids of the NCAA football 2000 through like 2004, the video games of that era where I played, I played that game all the way up to at least the freshman in college, right? Once they went to the PS3. Uh, I feel like I've been every team at least once, never been New Mexico state, never like New Mexico. Like I can very honestly say, no, never had no reason. They never had no, oh, that really fast quarterback. Oh, that running. Never know nothing about them. So shout out to them for this season. It's it's impressive. Um, and I also would then say, what are these other schools' excuses? Like if New Mexico, New Mexico State could get 10 wins, some of you other schools, what is, what is y'all's excuse? Like, I get it. Conferences are different. But how how is South Carolina five and seven if New Mexico State is nine and three? I'm just saying. I feel like some of these other schools, y'all need to not make New Mexico State make your AD ask questions about like, wait a minute, what's going on at our school? Uh, bio, bio, Bayou Classic was this weekend. Been doing a lot of. Uh, selling of the Bayou Classic as I am in uh, advertising sales. So that's a big, uh, big game this weekend, holiday weekend, NBC. I didn't check the numbers. It usually does really big numbers, though. Uh, Southern got the victory there. Yeah, they won. Grambling was driving with a chance to win. Grambling actually scored a go-ahead touchdown that got called back. I looked away from the TV, and then the score had changed back. So Grambling did win, and then they didn't. Uh, so Southern got that win. It was the 50-year anniversary of the um, Bayou Classic. At halftime, I'll talk about the bands in a little bit, but at halftime they had, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, the First Academy of Men. Have you heard of that? No, I haven't. It was a Louisiana-based, I assume a Louisiana-based um, uh, organization, but it was you know, it's essentially a young leadership program for young men, young black men specifically. Obviously, this is the Bayou Classic we're talking about. 
Um, so yeah, it was just the first academy. It's called the First Academy of Men. Um, they had a little presentation before the band started playing, and then the Battle of the Bands. Southern brought out Fantasia, baby. Um, really hard to beat that, right? You got Fantasia singing her ass off while the band is getting busy. Um, so they killed it. Grambling came out, opened up with a little BBD poison, a little Joe to see forever, my lady. Um, but and then they had a couple of people like do mic performances, but the people who were there saying weren't Fantasia. No disrespect to those other people, but it's like Fantasia just saying, and now whoever you are, you're not Fantasia. So that was dope. That was an HBC moment of the week. Bayou Classic. That's that's a game I would love to go to. I got that's that's like a bucket lister college game. Yeah, go yeah. down to the Bayou Classic. Maybe next year or yeah, maybe maybe next year. Um, <clears throat> Iron Bowl. Well, first Apple Cup, then Iron Bowl. Apple Cup. Um, Washington State put up a hell of a fight, man. Like they, Cameron Ward was dropping dimes. Um, their defense was able to hold up. They needed you know, Washington needed a kick. Michael Penix couldn't even look, which I totally identify with. I kickers aren't people, man. Like they just they, there is an element of football that has nothing to do with the rest of the sport. Where it's like, all right, we just spent fifty nine minutes colliding and killing each other and making plays and diving and all that. How we're gonna settle it is this soccer player is gonna come onto the field now and he's gonna kick a ball and. We'll see what the result of this football game is now because this soccer player is going to kick it. So I, Michael Pettis couldn't even watch, but they won, avoided the upset. We would have had all, uh, which I'm glad because I want that uh, the Oregon-Washington game to have all the stakes. And if Washington would have lost, it would have just been less stakey. So I'm glad that they were able to pull that one out. Apple Cup. <laughs> they renewed the Apple Cup. It's the last time in you know, Pac-12. But they have extended that conference for at least another five years. So they are set to play for another five years. I think that's yeah, a good them for doing that. It's a good sign because there's going to be other conferences that are going to do that. They're trying to make it so that there's that idle week or at least one week where you can schedule non-conference opponents so that you can have like the Red River rivalry. Some of these, just like if you're not scheduled to play, you can schedule it so we can keep some of these long-standing rivalries around. So uh, the Apple Cup was kind of like the first one to set the precedent, which is that's it's symbolic too. Apple Cup's old. It's like 100 years old. It's one of the better, more fun trophies and rivalries. And it's also the example of like, this is what college football is, right? Like Washington yeah. State's entire existence is win the Apple Cup at the end of the year. They're no, they know they're not playing for national championships. Maybe they make a Pac-12, but like that's – their thing is win the Apple Cup, right? So if you if you lose those types of games for certain schools, like that's everything. That's their Super Bowl. That's their biggest game of the year. So keeping those rivalries is super important. Um, so glad to see that, and I hope other teams follow their their precedent there. And then we had the Iron Bowl, um, which I I texted you this. We were texting through this window. Shame shame on me last week for assuming it wouldn't be close and that Auburn was going to ruin this rivalry. And like the iron bull always delivers, man, no matter what, no matter how it is always a wild finish. It's all the, the final, it may might not be the whole game, but just tune into the final three minutes of an iron bull and you will, 
be guaranteed to see something wild. Um, the the my only thing, I don't want to be Mr. Hindsight here, and I said it during the time. Fourth and longs, fourth and goals. I don't believe in three man rushes, and you that is exactly why that type of play shows you exactly why. Blitz, make the quarterback have to like send more than they can block. It's fourth and twenty. He can't throw it twenty yards in less than two seconds. Send pressure, make him have to throw it hot or throw it sooner, and then wrap and tackle. They gotta go twenty yards. You rush three, he's just gonna chill, 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 and you're asking your cornerbacks, can y'all play? You know plaster coverage for 10 seconds please the answer is no no one could do that so it was a great play but don't rush three in those situations defensive coordinators just a suggestion um you know it it seems to be common sense to me but whatever all right we talk about it every week some team makes this mistake yeah they rush two or three they Play man coverage and double team. They don't defend the end zone. They don't. They don't have people playing in zone. Like it's just it, it, it baffles me still. Yeah, and we this, continue to see this. And the coverage mm-hmm. to be to be clear, the coverage by the de- defender was like that's as good a coverage. He's right there. It's just at a certain point, I've been running with this guy for eight seconds. He's going left, right, down, back, right. Like, I, yeah, he's gonna lose me. It just it, you can't. Have has have you guys ever played flag football or yard football where it's just like the quarterback just has forever and he's running? You just try to get open. Eventually, someone gets open. So yeah, just yeah, don't don't rush three. At least rush at minimum rush four. And I say consider sending a fifth. Make the quarterback have to throw it before everyone gets to the end zone, and then wrap and tackle. But whatever, iron ball. Um, let me let me go fast here. Let me go fast, fast, fast. Commonwealth Cup talked about it. Sorry, Virginia. Uh, ODU walk off. Kind of talked about that. San Jose State. Um, they actually are going to play in the Mountain West Championship because UNLV. The UNLV had the. They were in the driver's seat all year for this, and um, last two weekends of the year. They got knocked out. So San Jose is going to play Boise State for the Mountain West Championship. Um, let's see. Northwestern got seven wins. That's nuts. That is insane for Northwestern. Um, I don't remember the last time that they've did that. I remember they played in like a uh, like a pinstripe bowl one time because they had like eight wins. But I, I, I did seven wins at Northwestern's crazy, and they won like six in a row at the end of the year. Or something crazy. Like they were one of the hottest teams in the country, and. It, finished second to, in the West in the Big Ten. Like, to finish ahead of Wisconsin and Nebraska, who made big hires this offseason and are trying to build something, and here comes Northwestern, who just fired their coach. It was pretty funny to me. Um, non-college football moment of the week. MLS playoffs have started. Columbus crew beat Orlando City. Um, and that was the first game. That was on Saturday. Uh, first game. Second game was uh, Philly Union. Philadelphia Union versus my favorite team, if it's not NYFC, is uh, Cincinnati FC. Cincinnati crowd, illest, most lit, most European-feeling soccer environment in America by far. Um, there's, I guess, some some South American-type feels. LAFC, Miami has that Central South American feel. But if you want a European-style, ruckus crowd, Cincinnati FC has it. 
Uh, they're moving through. They're my pick to win the whole thing. I got Cincinnati FC beating LAFC for the MLS Cup. So Cincinnati, you might have a championship coming your way. Uh, let's see. Colorado put up a fight against Utah. I was impressed. I didn't get to watch that game because Pac-12 Network. But they were 23-point dogs. They ended up losing by, I think, one, maybe two scores, maybe a touchdown and a field goal. But they put up a fight. Um, Dion addressed the team in the locker room after said how proud he was of them and nobody should be ashamed of himself of themselves and like which is a a drastic tone shift from I want all new linemen everyone get out <laughs> but um I I I believe it was sincere I need some new luggage yeah like <laughs> he didn't he didn't give him the I need more Louis luggage speech I believe the sincerity of it because again it you know about the men and raising men and the season being over I think you are able to look at the more important stuff of just you know, the life lessons that are learned throughout a football season, not just the record at the end of the day. Um, so let's see how their recruiting trail goes. Six o'clock to eight o'clock window real fast. UNC, NC State, uh, two, eight, and three teams. But guess which one's ranked? It ain't UNC. Uh, and NC State dominated, like dominated them at home. So NC State's got a little thing going on. They're not a, they're not a basketball. They're not just a basketball school, Steve Smith. Um, Georgia Tech, UGA. I told you I was betting that first half spread, and I was even more confident when I saw Georgia had like five inactives, like McConkey, Bowers, a um, couple other players. Like it was like five starters weren't playing, and I was like, oh yeah, Georgia Tech couldn't lose by less than thirteen points this half, and they did. So shout out to y'all, but they lost. They even made it somewhat interesting down the stretch. Um, Georgia Tech quietly had a had a pretty solid season, man. So that was impressive. Clemson, South Carolina, really wanted South Carolina to win that. That gave Georgia more of a fight than most teams Georgia played this year. To for be sure. honest, yeah, for sure. No, they definitely did. And again, that was the whole good old fashioned clean hate. Throw them, throw them records out. Um, Clemson, South Carolina, I really wanted South Carolina to win. Just I'm over this Dabo stuff. I'm over the whole. Buy stock in Clemson. If Clemson was stock, I would buy it now. And I'm like, I wouldn't. I would sell the shit out of my Clemson stock because it used to be worth national champion level. Now you're eight and four. But whatever. Um, good, good win for them. They can't protect Spencer Rattler. They couldn't protect him all year. Yeah, I was like that. Yeah, he was on there. He was on there harassed, duress the whole game. Spencer Rattler is. Uh, Definitely somebody who will make an NFL roster, will probably start as a backup, might get in when somebody gets hurt, and might, you know, might surprise some people. Might be like, hey, maybe this guy could be a starter. So he's got a few. He had quietly had a really good year. He did. He was their only, like, they were only, any games they were in this year was because of him or uh, what's his name? Leggett. Deion, it's either DeAndre, Deion uh, Leggett, the receiver, who's just, every time I see him, he's catching a deep ball. But yeah, Spencer Rattler like was the only thing keeping that team together. Um, Kansas State versus oh Iowa State, best most fun game of the year of the of the weekend. Color pop game. You had the purple jerseys, the white jerseys, red helmets of Iowa State in the snow. Much needed snow game on this weekend. There were no other snow games this weekend. We had snow a little bit earlier in some other places, but to to go the week after Thanksgiving, this is usually snow week in the cold places. There was no snow. This was not just a snow game. This was like, there was like 
two feet of snow. They they could it was it was snow. Their snow game. Yeah, it was it was coming like down. Snow. This was like yo, they were playing in the snow, and it wasn't a grind them out sloppy. They were airing it out, high flying back and forth shootout, forty like forty eight to thirty something score, like that type of game. And it was in the snow. It just looked beautiful, super fun. Really, both fun schools. Both of them were playing for something. Um, like Kansas State's fighting for a possible 10 win season at the end of the year. Iowa State's looking for the bowl, you know, boost their bowl um, eligibility or, or or record there. But uh, by far the, the the most fun game, and they be, and they pulled the upset, right? They they get to seven and five. They're at six and five. They're seven and five now. Um, so you know, Matt Campbell quietly, I don't want to say saving his season, but like. Quietly booster, you know, bolstering his resume for like, you know, y'all aren't gonna really move on from me, are you? Uh, so that was a fun game, and then Florida State, uh, Florida Swamp under the lights. You guys have heard me say it a thousand times. It's my favorite aesthetic in college football, all blue with the yellow with the orange helmets. Um, really, you know, it would have been a big win for Napier. Would have probably been his biggest, not probably would have been his biggest win. Florida State needs it for the playoff picture, so the 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 implications there. We talked a little bit about them. Uh, Ricky Purcell for Florida. I just want to shout him out. All he does, all his catches are highlight catches. Every all any time I see Ricky Purcell catch the ball, it's one handed over the middle. He's diving, he's hurtling people. Like Ricky Purcell doesn't have a regular catch. He's there's always like those types of receivers, or I can identify with those receivers that I play with. That it's just like they find a way to make all the catches just circus acrobatic even some were like did you really have to do that but that's he just he does it um quickly before i move on to next week florida ended this season with five straight losses now it's a rough their schedule was georgia arkansas they shouldn't have lost that arkansas game lsu missouri florida state that's a really rough end of the schedule that's three that's four ranked teams um so what is your feeling Billy Napier, Florida, going into year two, like what? Do you, what are we projecting his second year at Florida could look like, and what's what does a successful second year for him look like? Yeah, they they at least need to go bowling this next year. For sure. They have to go bowling. Um, I'm not sure exactly who's on the schedule, but they have to beat one of these traditional blue bloods next year as well. They have to beat. Georgia, well, which is unlikely. It starts with not losing to not losing to Kentucky would be the the start. Like this, so yeah, from this year, like they lost to, to Tennessee, um, lost to Kentucky. Their best win of the season was Tennessee. Well, Tennessee, they beat Tennessee. That that was their best win of the season. Um, remember they played Florida earlier this year. I mean uh, Utah first week of the year, another tough loss. Yeah, definitely go bowling. Um, Finishing, yeah, they just missed it by one this year. To me, in year one, the one game that you're going to look at and say that that was the one, it's the Arkansas one. Like, Arkansas scored three points the week before that, and then they showed up in the swamp and dropped 40 on their head. So, like, that was the one where it's like – Yeah, they also can't lose more than one or two games at home, too. I think that's – that's what I need yeah, to, they're needs the to record be at the swamp. I played again. Let's see. One, two, three, four. One, two, three. Four and three at the swamp this year. Not terrible. Again, they, they had to play Georgia at enough. home. No, no, they had to play Georgia at home. 
they had to play Florida State at home um, and Tennessee at home, who they did beat. But yeah, that I I would I would agree definitely. I think bowl game that bowling is minimal because uh, this is still Florida we're talking about. I think like you said, we'll see what the schedule is. But you yeah, they beat Tennessee this year. You need to not let Kentucky be your big brother anymore. You need to stop letting that happen. Um, you can't drop the Arkansas or the Mississippi States like. Don't let Missouri just fly right by you. Like you, yeah, you you gotta you gotta kind of the only teams they did not finish ahead of in the East are are South Carolina and Vanderbilt. You 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 gotta be better than Kentucky. You gotta compete with Tennessee. That would be where I'm at with it. Um, I just got a little bit of breaking news here. Mike Elko, ten million dollar college football playoff incentive. Oh wow! So. It, you got like we said, um, it hasn't happened, but he's got a whole lot of incentive for it to happen now. Um, Kansas, uh, this is the last one Kansas, Kansas State, the return of the bean, baby, or Kansas at Cincinnati, return of the bean. So they got the victory. You know, when the bean shows up, what time it is. Club late night, only three games. Fresno, he probably has to transfer, huh? Uh, is he a fifth year? I think he's fifth year because last year's senior. Um, we could probably see him somewhere. Like he he's one of those quarterbacks if he gets in the portal, like that's a that's a quarterback that some of these teams that if they're just like a quarterback away, so to speak. Granted, he is reckless, but still, but you know, maybe bring him in, right? Bring bring in the bring in the bean. If Cam Rising could come back for another year, the bean can come back for another year. Also, Jaden Daniels will be back as well. well that's what I was saying. Jaden Daniels is coming yeah, back. Yeah, so he he's he's coming back. So you would imagine Bean hits the transfer portal. That'll be interesting to see where he goes. <laughs> Although they, yeah, yeah, I have the same thought about. Um, I know we already talked about that team, but Quinn Ewers. Yeah. What does he do? Yeah, because they got Arch. They got to look at Arch Manning this week once the game got out of hand. Um. So yeah, that's a that's a. There was talk about like, oh, does he go to the league? I'm like, I don't, not yet. I mean, I don't know where you think he's getting drafted. Uh, all right, let me finish. You have to compete for his job next year, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, Fresno, Fresno beat uh, or no? Who who won Fresno San Diego State? Um, I feel like actually San Diego State ended up winning. Mikey Keens and them and Dem Boys didn't look so good. Um, two teams nobody really. I mean, shouldn't say nobody cares about. Yeah, San Diego State. <sighs> they have been bad, so somehow they beat Fresno. Uh, who not that long ago Fresno was like in the driver's seat for that conference, and then things just went to shit. Um, UCLA versus Cal, not a not a good way to go out for UCLA. Um, I've heard rumors about whether Kelly comes back or not. I the fact that they're a bad offense now. It's kind of hard for me to wrap my brain around. Like Chip, Chip Kelly is now in charge of a really good defense that can't score like what's what's going on here um but they only scored seven points against cal cal's defense what wasn't wasn't no lights out defense like that so not a not a good look and then wyoming beat the hell out of nevada i don't really have anything to say about that other than andrew peasley is their quarterback at wyoming Looks like a little mini Baker Mayfield, a little swaggy headband, a little <laughs> smaller number six guy out there. It's kind of lets it, sl- you know, sl- gunslinger type. Like he's 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 a fun guy to watch. So Wyoming in the bowl season will be a fun watch. Um, all right, game of the week. 
it was either Louisville, Kentucky, or that Iowa State and uh, Kansas, Iowa State, Kansas State for me. The Iron Bowl was a fun finish, but sloppy play in between. The Washington-Washington State game was fun, but not as fun. Um, Michigan, Michigan, Ohio, I've talked about Michigan, State, Michigan, Ohio State. That game stunk in every way. Um, performance of the day, Jaden Daniels in infinitum until he leaves college football. Preview next week. Well, we'll we'll do that now. My game of the week was Ohio State, Michigan. Obviously, my sleeper games: UTSA, Tulane, and Jacksonville State, New Mexico. The Civil War was the environment game. Um, it absolutely was until you know. Then it was just the Oregon side of things. But let's go ahead and preview championship week. Um, let me get my spreads here. Let me check it out. All spreads for this segment will come courtesy of DraftKings because that's what I have in front of me. All right. First game, Friday, New Mexico State, Liberty. Liberty, 10.5-point favorites against a uh like we said a good new mexico state team that came out of nowhere i like liberty but might take the ten and a half for new mexico state the game is being played in liberty stadium this is one of the championship games that's a home uh site which is actually the only one that's that i wonder why they decided that was going to be the case. But um, I'll take New Mexico State plus the points, but I think Liberty wins that one. At which point, put Liberty in a New Year's Six, please. We're talking about undefeated conference champ. I think, I they, deserve it. A, I think they should have a shot. Uh, then, then we have what will probably be, well, it's between this or Georgia-Alabama. I got to tell you, I'm probably more excited for uh, uh, Oregon-Washington. Um Friday night, Oregon-Washington, as I mentioned. Oregon currently line open at nine-and-a-half point favorites. They're playing in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Shout-out Raiders. Um, and they have installed Oregon as a nine-and-a-half point favorite. I, I've been saying all year I think Oregon will win. I am sticking with that. I'm very tempted, however. I, I've never been able to bet Washington plus nine and a half points. Like when they went to Corvallis last week, they were getting a point and a half. And I was like, yeah, I'll take that because Washington, you know, they score a lot. Thought they'd win. I'll take a point and a half. You're giving me nine and a half points. And the over-unders is around 67. Last time they played, I think it was 33-36. So they're, they're putting the over-under similar area. I'm going Washington. I mean, I'm going Oregon here. I'm going to see how much that line changes, though. But I like Oregon. Who you got? Yeah, then I'm going to go with UW on this one. I think they're tired of their disrespect. They ain't going to stand on business. They need to. Now, Take care they, of it. They can definitely perceive it as disrespect. For me, though, I I think Vegas is doing what they're supposed to do, which is you, you, one team barely won at home. Ruckus environment. Needed a bounce, one on a kick. I think they're looking and saying, "All right, neutral site. Look at how these teams are yeah, playing. No, it, it makes sense. Done. So, like, I it get how sense. it's installed at the at, at that. And maybe this is to your point. Maybe Washington now gets a chance to do something that they haven't done all year. Nobody believes in us. Big underdogs. Let's shock the world. Like, maybe they can actually play that card now. 
um, sometimes that can be a, a nice tool. All right, those are the two Friday games. Saturday, noon, high noon. We have two games. We have Texas, Oklahoma State. Texas is a 15-point favorite, which is what we said Texas should win. They should be heavy favorites. Um, games at AT&T Stadium, Jura World. Um, I, I'm, I'm taking Texas. I might even take the points. I know the two-touchdown favorite. That's kind of telling me something. It's it's kind of telling me Texas knows that this is like not just a win, but a big win is their best, like the only thing that they can control because they can't control all the results. Their best shot within their control of getting to the CFP is to blow Oklahoma State out. So I might take Texas and swallow the 15 points. Yeah, I'm with that. Okay. Um, the other game from that high noon, we got Toledo at Miami of Ohio. I mentioned a few weeks back, Toledo has only lost one game. It's the first game of the season <laughs> at Illinois. They ran the table the rest of the way. Um, the game is at Ford Field in Detroit. Seven and a half favorites for Toledo over Miami of Ohio. Um, the Toledo coach, I believe recently took a job if i'm not mistaken either took it or his name was being mentioned i think maybe it's the michigan state the michigan state hired the toledo coach somebody hired the toledo football coach i feel like or his name was being mentioned and i only know that because part of me wanted to take uh, miami of ohio because i have a, the theory of when the coach if a coach going into a bowl game is accepting a job elsewhere that that coach is not focused anymore. Not that they're not focused, but just like I tend to go with the other team. Well, yeah, especially now that they've made those shifts to the transfer portal. They have to start assembling the staff and that too. recruiting, keeping recruits. So yeah, yeah. So the coach is right. Coach is Jason Candle um, of Toledo. I'm not seeing that he is going anywhere. What is this press conference? Maybe I just saw his name being mentioned. Uh, in the yeah, it was Michigan State, or you know, it, it was two two places. His name was mentioned for the Syracuse job. Which why would you want to do that? You just want eleven and one at Toledo. You want to go be miserable at Syracuse or um, Michigan State, which makes a lot more sense. Yeah, Jonathan Smith. Yeah, they they hired Jonathan Smith. So I think I think the Toledo coach's name was in that running, and I think now his name is in that Syracuse running. All right, so he's still there. If any news comes out beforehand that he's going somewhere or something, I might take Miami of Ohio. But right now I'm going with Toledo. They've been a, a solid team all, all year. Who you got there? Yeah, I'm similarly just bullish on anytime there's coaching candidates who are in the running for jobs while the season's going on. It's a distraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's going to be hard. I still – I think I'll take Toledo. I like the I, – I might take – Seven and a half. I don't know. I might take the over because the over is 44. Yeah, over under 44 right now. Um, I can see both teams putting up a 27, 30 point output there. So maybe not a winner. Maybe take your over unders there. Uh, Boise State, UNLV, UNLV, two and a half. I'm sorry, Boise State, two and a half point favorites. Uh, they are playing. 
also in Allegiant Stadium the next day. Um, so UNLV will be the home team there because that's where they actually play their freaking games. Um, so that, and actually, hmm, Boise State. I I was favoriting Boise State. They're two and a half point favorites. I know, obviously, the crowd might be different, but I might go UNLV there. I might take UNLV to win on the money line there, plus 110, because they're the home t- Like, there's something that this be said about just, like, the creature of habit thing, and, like, you get to go through your same routine for a championship game. And oh, it's see- not neutral site? No, it's, it's, it is, but it happens to be at Allegiant Stadium, which is where UNLV plays. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. play their, they That's play not their fair. home game. <laughs> so, it, I mean – yeah, you know, they're one of the what four teams that plays in a pro stadium, and this one just happens to be. Yeah, they got two championships in Vegas, one Pac-10, and the other one's UNLV. So I, I might like I, I favorited Boise State just based off of how they've been playing and how UNLV was looking coming into this. But there's some maybe good value to be had on UNLV money line here, considering they don't got to travel. They might get you know I, I think Boise State's the home side. But UNLV, I don't know if that means they'll put UNLV in a different locker room than they usually go to. I would imagine UNLV probably uses the visitors' locker room because they're not going to use the Raiders' locker room. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know how that's going to work out, but I, I, I might go UNLV for that reason. Little home game, home little home cooking. Yeah, it's like when the, um, <laughs> when the Lakers play the Clippers, they do that weird thing. Yeah, it's like. It's not like, yeah, you might be a home game for the Clippers, but we know who's in this stadium, and it ain't a bunch of Clippers fans. Uh, next game, this the, the 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 second biggest game, Alabama Georgia, um, four o'clock Saturday, Mercedes Benz Dome, Atlanta Georgia. So that's a yep. That's that's always like these last this Georgia run. The best part of it has been they get to play their championship games at home because. Yes, I know Athens is like an hour away, but anybody who knows Atlanta, you've been in Atlanta, it is bulldog territory, bulldog city. So uh, six-point favorites against Alabama. Um, I am, I'm taking Georgia and probably swallow those points too. I'll probably take Georgia minus six. I'm going to take Bama for the fun of it. Nice. I'm here for like that's the chaotic. You know, I think it's we, a toss up. Though. That's the chaotic route. You know, I'm actually surprised because Vegas doesn't. I was thinking, I was wondering what this line. I think I guessed it. I think I guessed this one. I, I guessed. I tried to guess a few lines a couple of weeks ago, and I had one of them around. I think I had Oregon coming in as three or four point favorites, so the nine and a half surprised the hell out of me. This one, I think I had Georgia by like five, so this is closer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised though if this line moves to closer to a full touchdown by the before kickoff. Like you might get a Georgia minus seven, and that's I would I would take that. I I I do like Georgia by a score or more. Um, I I just don't think Alabama can stop Georgia. That's that's really like Alabama's offense might be able to 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 cause issues, but I don't know that Alabama can stop Georgia and then you know, while scoring on them as well. So I'll go Georgia there. You'll go Bama. Need to watch that Georgia Tech film. Yeah, Alabama should. Um, but the <laughs> problem is good, good clean old-fashioned hate. 
rivalry week, all that good stuff. Now George is like, okay, we've our season starts now. Like here we go. Like we here we go. Our three our three game season starts on Saturday. So part of me also thinks you're about to see Georgia's dog walk Alabama. There, there's a, there's a part of me that thinks this game could go that way. But we'll see. I, I want. I would not be surprised if that happens. Yeah, I want a good game. So I I want to be entertained, but I could also see. Alabama scores first as Georgia lets every team. I think it's part of their strategy. Georgia like wants teams to feel this false sense of comfort and security. And then they're like, all right, cool. You, you feel good about that now? All right, we're going to score 35 straight points, and now the game's over. So I hope it's close, but we'll see. Next game. Troy App State, Sun Belt. Now, we all know that this should be JMU. Because even with that one loss to App State, I, I think they're still ahead of them if we were strictly – yeah, they are because they're 7-1. If if JMU wasn't banned from participating in their own conference, this would be JMU versus Troy. But because things don't make sense, App State will be playing Troy. The game is in Troy at the, the stadium. Um guess this is the other game. Now, I don't know if this game was always going to be at Troy. Let me look at the standings here. Did Troy have a better record? They do. This might be a conference much like the um, – the, what was the other one that I just said was at home? Uh, like uh, the other the, the uh, Conference USA with Liberty playing at home. I guess Sunbelt, the, the higher seed, might get a home game too, which – when they do the 12-team playoffs, y'all do know that the first round is going to be college site games, which I cannot wait for that, right? So that's yes. going to be like your, gonna be great. the higher gonna be seeds so are going to get home games. So like to get a Alabama has to go play a Oregon or whatever, like those games are going to be so fun. Um, but yeah, so I'll go um, I'll go Troy because they're playing at home. Again, I'm going to stay consistent with the theme of and this one isn't even like, oh, we just happened to play at a pro stadium. This is their goddamn campus. They're just going to wake up and go do what they normally do every go to Saturday. Do every, every other Saturday. Yeah, yeah. so I'm going to go with Troy on that one. And they're, they're six and a half favorites. Um, maybe I just take the money line there. I don't want to mess around with any points, any late field goal victories. But I, I think Troy gets it done. Uh, SMU Tulane, very excited about this one. Two really good teams, two fun offenses. Tulane, this is their third year in a row of top 25 ranking, going for 10 wins, trying to get a New Year's six look, all that. Um, I'm surprised Willie Fritz hasn't been named in more searches. He, he has. He definitely has. I, I, I'm i surprised. Uh, you're right. I, I am and I'm not. Like, he definitely – I'll, I'll tell you where I said. His name was mentioned at Texas A&M, but I imagine he was like, no, no thanks. No thanks. Um his name was mentioned for Michigan State, and it was mentioned for uh, I think Oregon State too. So like his name is coming up, but I feel like he's also smart enough to look and be like, those those aren't better situations than where I'm at, man. Like I've I've built a I've built a thing here. It is unlike some other things that you might build. Like I think the Tulane thing is sustainable to an extent. So. I could see him saying, no, I'm, I'm good here. It's not always grass greener on the other side. Same with um, uh, Kansas coach, too. I think Leopold, he's like, mm -mm, I don't, I don't need, I don't need those expectations. 
I don't, I don't, I don't need that. I'm going to Those are great gigs. He's like these, these basketball schools in football country. So the mm -hmm. Indianas, Kentuckys. Where you get, you can get that job. Win, absolutely. Yeah. Do it, like, do it for years. Yeah. You, I mean, I feel like Leopold's like, look, I beat Oklahoma this year. I'm not going, give me more money. And I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. I want to raise. I want, you know, I want to raise. I want a nicer office and a car, and I'll stay right here. So well, that's what that's what James Franklin benefits from. Every time USC jobs get up, gets up becomes open, he gets a raise. Yeah, he's like, hey, hey, hey my name's been mentioned. Yeah, the real question is, why is this name being mentioned? You not have you guys not been watching what Penn State looks like on offense, which is under his control? But don't get me started. Uh, I'm about to have Frank Reich, so it's fine. <laughs> Yeah, another proven not good coach. I mean, if you know, if you have Frank Wright come in to call, you know, call call the game on offense, cool. It's it's clear that he is a, a good you know play caller, game caller, and should never be the head coach of anything. Um, but yeah, that's NFL. We uh, Michigan eight o'clock. I want you to guess what the spread on that game is. Oh, I already saw it. It's like, it's crazy. It's like, what, 23 and a half or something yeah, like that? Yeah, it's currently at 23. Um, 23. Yeah, that's wild. Over that's under. Wild. You know what the more wild thing is? The over under is 35 and a half, which is essentially <laughs> they're saying, Michigan, we are only accounting for Michigan scoring here. And uh, I don't know, man. Huh, 35. Let me, so let me just tell you, you know about Iowa. Seen? Yeah, let me, I was gonna say. Let me tell you about Iowa. Let me tell you about the unders that the Iowa's hit. Iowa's hit twenty nine. Iowa's hit twenty seven. I think they had a. I think the lowest is twenty seven and a half. I think it's a historically low under. They've hit them all. Uh, my concern with this under is that Michigan could just like do that by themselves. Like Michigan is capable of just scoring thirty five points and just keeping Iowa to a field goal. Um, so I wouldn't mess around with. This is the one Iowa under. That I'm not gonna mess around with. I, I don't even know if I want to bet this game because how like who? I want to sit there and root for Michigan to win by 24, and yeah, then no. sit and then sit and watch the game, and it's 10 to three for three and a half quarters because that's what Iowa does, and then Michigan you know kicks a field goal and scores a touchdown on on defense to make it like 20 to. 23 to three or something like that. And then they don't cover. So I'm not, I don't want to bet this game. I don't even want to watch this game. This game will be on somewhere. So I just know what the result is, but don't make me watch. This can easily be a 17, three game. Yeah, exactly. Like I just, that, that spread concerns me because it's like, I don't just everything about the spread, the over under, if 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 anybody wants to just like if you got five dollars you want to throw to Iowa if the odds pay plus fourteen hundred right now so you want to throw a little something on Iowa that's really the play in the event that they are able to pull this thing off throw you know throw throw a couple of units down on Iowa you can make it that you know fourteen fifteen sixteen hundred dollars so um, and then the last game Florida State Louisville uh, the game. Sorry, the Penn State, I mean, the Big Ten game is at Lucas Oil Stadium, so Indiana, so uh, pretty close to Iowa. Iowa might have a, a nice support fan base there. Won't be enough. Um, tickets are actually cheaper there. Wow. 
That's wild. The tickets for, and I guess maybe it's because it's a campus, the tickets for Troy App State are more than the tickets for Iowa, Michigan. How about that? I mean, yeah. I'd rather see Troy App State play football. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just I'm kind of shocked by that because one's in a pro stadium and one is in Troy, Alabama. But um, yeah. uh, Louisville, Florida State, Florida State, two and a half point dogs. I mean, sorry, favorites. Um, I could see that moving maybe a half point to to, to three, which is kind of just a pick them, uh, even though it's a mutual site. But I guess they're saying Florida State slight favorite game is in Charlotte uh, at Bank of America Stadium. Um, I think I don't know, man. Louisville can beat them. Yep, they certainly they, they definitely can. They, they can. I don't know that I would pick it. Like, if I'm picking, I'm picking Florida State. But we've seen when Louisville, particularly when their defensive front is firing, they can shut down. I I won't say anybody, but they can, they can, they could shut down Florida. Like, I just watched Florida make things hard for, for Florida State this weekend. And I would say Louisville's defense is better than Florida's. So, they could certainly make things difficult. They could muddy the game up. Um, I don't know how good Jack Plummer would have to be offensively on his end of things. Um, I've never seen uh, Keon Coleman drop as many passes as he did on uh, Saturday against Florida. I, I feel like he just had a whole season worth of drops in one game. So he got that out of his system. So I, I would lean Florida State here. Still overall talent, top to bottom, they got it. Um, but, the, you know, the spread, they're trying to tell you something about the spread. They're trying to tell you something about the odds. Like, Louisville is more than capable of pulling this one off. Um, but for the sake of, I I, I, I want to see a, an undefeated team get in, right? If, if they were to win even by a field goal, you know, I want Florida State in because I want, I want the committee to have to be like, no. Nah. We're gonna pick a one one loss team. We're gonna pick two one loss teams. Like that I want to, I really, see, really mad precedent. Yeah, I want to see kind of them have to look at an undefeated. I want Florida State to win close, still be undefeated, and them have to do the mental gymnastics to to explain why we're putting Ohio State into the playoff now. Because that's just so you know my my theory, my conspiracy theory. They want a rematch between Ohio State. It's not even a conspiracy. They want Ohio State and Michigan to play each other again, and they will. If if enough things happen, which I said, not that difficult. Like let's just say AP is mirroring what the college football playoff does. Florida State's at four, Oregon's at five. Oregon beats Washington. And they would get that three or four spot. If I say right ahead of Texas, though. Uh Ohio State's ahead of Texas in the AP. We'll see in the uh I, yeah. I, I think they're going to do it in the in the uh, committee, too. I think the committee is going to do this exact same thing. I think the committee will put Ohio State six, leaving the possibility for them to sneak in the back door. I, I really think that they want to do that. Um, so that's my that's my theory. Any any excuse to put Michigan in this? I mean, Ohio State in this thing, they will. So Florida State. You gotta win. Oh, from a capitalistic standpoint, they they would certainly do that for sure. Yeah, that's they, it's a television show at the end of the day. If they think this game, not think they know when Ohio State, no no television game rates better than Michigan Ohio State. None. No no two college football teams 
rate higher than those two schools. So if they know in a playoff that they can put those two together, yeah, they're doing it. Just telling you that right now. So I'm rooting for all the teams that need to win to keep Ohio State out of my life. Let's go, Oregon. I mean, um, let's go. Well, I think Oregon's going to win, which is fine because look, it's either Oregon or Washington. It's really about Florida State. Don't you don't you drop this game to Louisville because they will put Ohio State in there, or or maybe Texas, but they're going to try. So, all right. Well, that was a. Uh, our preview of championship week, a review of week 13, a longer episode, but thank everybody for rocking with us. I think we have covered it all. I just scrolling through notes here. I don't think there's anything we missed. Again, I mentioned that breaking news, Mike Elko, if you make the college football playoff, $10 million. So uh, all the incentive is there, but um, we will talk to y'all following championship week and we will do our bowl once the bowl games are announced we'll do our bowl draft um and then we'll probably do a weekly episode with uh like at the end of each bowl week and just wrap up the bowl games um and yeah coaching carousel will continue to spin we'll see where these some of these coaches go some of these jobs get filled um I'm starting to hear a lot of Jim Harborough to the NFL. I'm hearing I'm hearing seven to ten NFL coaches may get fired. I could kind of tell you who those names are going to be. And I'm hearing Jim Harborough's name mentioned for like the Panthers job or man, man, mentioned for some of these other jobs. So uh, you know, Jerome Moore, maybe, maybe stick around. Maybe Harborough really is leaving. Would love to have a brother in charge of Michigan. Just 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 carry yourself with a little more self-respect and decency, damn it. Stop blubbering about how much you love this man who is guilty of the things that they said he's guilty of. Just, just stop it. Just stop. All right. Free free Harbor, free Michigan. Free Harbor, free Michigan, free JMU. And on that note, uh we will holler at y'all next week, man. Peace. Peace out.